on your knees, heretic. Shut your mouth, Isaac. You've grown prideful apart from us. He who walks behind the rose will decide your fate. Don't just sit there. Seize him. Punish him. Cut him down. I command you. I am the word and the giver of his laws. Disobedience to me is disobedience to him. Do it now or your punishment shall be a thousand times, a thousand deaths, each more horrible than the last. They are tired of your talk, Isaac. I've shown them what I can do. Cut the woman down. Put Isaac in her place. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show, episode 26 to be exact. Today, we have legendary method actor Courtney Gaines, who has managed to have some pretty rad roles throughout his career, and some of his stories on this thing might even shock you. He's undoubtedly most known for his role as Malachi in Children of the Corn, but he then went on to do so many great films like Back to the Future, Can't Buy Me Love, and Colors with Sean Penn and Robert Duvall. Just want to give a special thanks and shout out to Courtney Gaines for doing this with us. He's one of the harder working actors in the industry with a very vast and impressive resume, and we were so stoked to have him. Be sure to go check out his new music project on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. It's an EP called Journeyman, and it will surely knock your socks off. Talk about a multi-talented dude. As always, share this little podcast with your friends, and we will continue to have new episodes. New guests are actually being worked on right now, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Perfect. I need a series if I'm going to get that uh, Les Paul P90. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I just got a Taylor. Yeah, this is nice. This is this is, this is my baby here, Jackson Rhodes. Uh, you're not popping up, uh, even though you're speaking. Let me see. Let me see. Let me put on. It's it's Kellen. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Oh. Oh. Oh, nice flying V action. Jackson yeah. Rhodes. I, I love I love the the Randy Rhodes guitars there. Yeah, well, amazing. if we could all just play like Randy, that would be that'd be great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nobody can, can play, ever. I can play if I could shred half as good as Randy. I'd be, yeah, I'd be pretty satisfied with my life. I'm he proud to announce that I am a tenth of as good as Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't even think I'm close to a tenth as good as Randy. <laughs> so, how have you spent the last year? Have you checked out any good movies during quarantine? Ah, what have I seen that I liked? Uh, what did I just see? I just saw Little Things. That was all right. Oh, yeah, like, the one with Jared Leto? Yeah, Jared was interesting. Uh, yeah, but the yeah. script I thought was kind of like, seemed like it was written, written in 1970, not meant to be in 1970. I don't know. It Seems was to... written in like 1990, I think. Yeah, it had it had a real, uh, it, it felt like it had been written a while ago. It had yeah. a, uh, had a, it, it seemed, yeah, it seemed to, yeah, it seemed like it was dated. That's the best way I could put it. Yeah, had they reworked that script, it probably would have been Oscar worthy, you know. But Jared's character was fun. Yeah, yeah. no, he was cool. There was actually Denzel was all right. There was actually a scene in that movie. Like I remember, Kellen sent me a picture of it. They shot it right by where we used to live. Right up. where was it? Victory Boulevard. Oh, yeah. It was right near the yeah. uh, Wells Fargo, the Wells Bank Fargo building, the VIP yeah. Gentleman's Club in North Hollywood. <laughs> I know it well. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do know it, though. Yeah, that that uh, years back that it went to Starbucks now off that victory was where uh, that really crazy bank heist went down where those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've heard that about anybody that. Anybody ever had like Kevlar vests and M16s and 
that was I didn't live that far from there either. That was about two oh, miles from my house. Shit. You know, you know who played one of those guys in a biopic about that movie, Kellen? Who? Andrew Berniarski. I'm not even kidding. Oh my god. He was one of the, <laughs> he was favorite. one of the guys. He was one of the guys in that movie. That's bizarre. <laughs> I remember That's that. It was such a such a crazy thing. They closed the bank. Unbelievable. And now it's a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> How do you go from being one of the most notorious banks, you know, in history to a Starbucks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh- are you a fan of like crime docs on Netflix at all? No, not not particularly. Uh, I watched one yesterday called "Don't Fuck with Cats," and that oh is, really that is outrageous. Yeah, highly recommend but, that one. <laughs> I, actually, I do like crime docs. What was what, what's the what's the premise? So I don't want to like ruin it, but no, 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 don't give me the, the whole deal. But so here's okay. So here's you'll know this if you read the description anyway. So basically, there's this guy that uploads a video of him basically killing these two cats. And it goes online and viral and everything. And then there's these people that are just like, we're going to catch this guy. And, you know, obviously they don't have much to work with besides just the video. But then they, they, they find like little, little inklings of things like throughout his bedroom. And they try to like trace down where he lives, like wow. his blank, like the blanket on his bed and all this stuff. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It just gets crazier and crazier and they, they end up, it, yeah, it gets nuts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My, I can't watch that. My, my girlfriend would hate him from the jump if he killed animals. <laughs> yeah. I hate that too. She'll, she'll watch a horror movie and you know, thousand people can die. That's okay. But don't do yeah. not, do not harm an animal ever. No, I'm the same way. <laughs> so I think that's like that's like a new rule. Yeah. <laughs> have you felt creatively bankrupt at all during this time, or have you been able to keep busy and like keep the ball rolling? Uh, yeah, no, I would say I haven't felt creatively bankrupt. Um, that's good. Two, two, two reasons. One, um, that uh, you know, I've been doing the music stuff. It's mm-hmm. kind of given me a chance to sort of focus more on that and, and, you know, learn the, the, you know, what's going on in the business at, at this point. Like, you know, I'm like behind the times, like, mm-hmm. you know, Spotify and all that has kind of opened my mind yeah. to what, you know, you don't, you know, what you can do without a distributor, but you got to learn how to play that game too. It's like mm-hmm. a whole, a whole anime just trying to get on the playlist is a whole fandango into itself, but yeah. still it, it just, it opened a whole thing. And I also, found some music that i had lost oh wow um, that i thought i had lost when i made the move out out to the southeast um the first day uh, the first night we we stopped out my the the uh, the uh, truck got broken into and one of the oh, only no. few things they took was my my uh, my computer um, and but so i thought i lost certain music it wasn't that uh, computer it was it was okay it, it, yeah. could, it, could, it could die it was old enough, but, um, but my, <laughs> my, like some of the things I had on there, particularly music, I thought was gone forever. And then I found some of it. I forgot that I put some of it on a, a hard drive soundtrack thing like six years ago. Yeah. And it was like up online somehow. And so I was like, that opened that just, I took that as a sign. Okay. It's time to put, I just put everything out. So did, putting out some solo stuff, but I also have a band called Ripple Street. And we've been putting out stuff as well. Yeah. So just, so really just focusing on doing a lot of that. But also um, last year, I kind of made an interesting pivot. And uh, uh, I mean, there was a, the, three years ago now, the pivot was coming out to the Southeast. Mm-hmm. And that sort of opened the Atlanta door, plus keeping the West Coast door open. Yep. But I also decided to go FICOR last year. Really? Yeah. A lot of, you know, I've noticed a lot of people are going from union to FICOR, you know, especially ever since like with that stuff with the, with SAG after a, 
back in June, like with the whole healthcare thing and all that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that was, it was two things. It was that, yes, things were super stalled because of the, the protocols, which I understand, <clears throat> you know, protocols and needing them. Yeah. But the other thing was, uh, my manager brought it up many times, you know, saying, I think we might be able to find some more work for you, particularly obviously in horror and independent film. And I kept saying, show me a payday. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing it for nothing. <laughs> for nothing. Yeah. And we sort of put up an amount, you know, a dollar figure on that. And then that happened. A movie got offered and then it was a good, good number. But then in the negotiations, they, because they ran into the wall with SAG, they decided to go and that kind of sealed the deal. Mm. And, well, what that did last year is it opened up. I did, uh, I did four jobs last year, and they were all they were all non-union. Mm-hmm. Touchy subject, you know, weird thing to it talk is. about. But uh, yeah, it was it. You know, you ha- I think you have to know when you need to pivot, and you have to see the writing on the wall when it's time to make moves. And uh, mm-hmm. it was the right time. It ended up opening a bunch of doors last year, keeping me busy. So yeah. well, that's good. So now that we're on the subject, so tell us how you first got involved in acting and even tell us, uh, how did you, uh, how did you, uh, get with SAG? Uh, so, um, so acting was something I knew I wanted to do from a, a very young age. And, uh, uh, I kept bugging my mom to get me into a class. I, I'm from LA and, okay. uh, she kept kind of putting it off. And the reason she kept putting it off was because, because she didn't think being a childhood actor was necessarily a good thing, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting because she had chosen, she was like in the USO and stuff, entertaining troops when, at a pretty young age, like 13. She was like, like, and, and then she had her own dance studio at the time she was 18. So she had done it by her own willingness and never talked about it being a bad experience yet at the same time didn't want me to do it. So it was a little weird. So I kept bugging her and bugging her and finally she got me in a class uh on uh, on ventura boulevard in la and i did not like the class it was like you know <laughs> tights and tap dancing and stuff and i'm like a kid from the hood like, this is not what i was looking at. this was is not to- my jam <laughs> oh yeah exactly i was about to quit and then this guy stopped me on the street and my mom he said I like this kid's look is he an actor and so he said i'm an actor and i have a class his name was virgil fry and okay. uh his daughter went on to become Soleil moon fry punky brewster she used to hang on the class when she was like three years old. And uh, the guy basically, you know, trained me, brought me in the business, was, was my manager for a number of years. And, and that's really how I got started. And how I got my SAG card was I did a, a Safeguard soap commercial in New York. So I got to take my mom uh-huh. to New York. And that was, a, that was the first time I'd ever even been in a plane. Yeah. And that was quite an experience. And that's what got me my, got me my card. Oh, that's wow. Awesome. So what year yeah. was that? Was that 80? That was like 83, 82. Okay. Like and then Children of the Corn would have been your first like feature. Correct. Correct. And that okay. was my that was my big break, as they say. Your big baby. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently saw you in the movie Camp Coldbrook, which was a good yeah. time. Uh, you yeah. played a very convincing Hollywood executive type. <laughs> what was well, it like? Work- yeah. Okay, good. What was it like working with Andy Palmer? I was gonna say I've worked with Andy uh, uh, twice now. Funhouse Massacre? Uh, uh, yeah, Funhouse Massacre, exactly. Yeah. So he just keeps throwing me these these cameos in his in his movies, you know. Yeah. Um, and he's a super nice guy, knows what he's doing. I, I like I like working with him. I'd be happy to work with him again. Yeah, I got that guy on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, he's definitely really nice. Yeah, yeah he's a good guy. Um, and let's see here. 
if anyone wants to check out Camp Coldbrook, that's on Amazon Prime, I believe. Yeah, is I think that, it's free on Prime. Joe Dante produced it, right? Yeah, Joe Dante. I put his put his name on it as an executive producer, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, he's been doing that uh, a fair amount lately, sort of attaching himself to some stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, guy's a hard worker. Oh, no, Joe's, Joe's great. I mean, he's talking about a nice guy. Joe's, I've worked for Joe a few times, and uh, but just every time you see him, he's just always a very personable, you know, mm-hmm. easily approachable guy. So now I'm a, I'm a Joe Dante fan. He but does really see. good panels too. I've seen. Yeah, him at, that's uh, what I'm saying because he's that kind of guy, and he's and he's and he's a he's a film geek himself. So yeah. You know, and he, you know, so he's, he's talking to his, you know, he's talking to himself out there. He, he knows. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's a good um, guy. yeah. So going on to the topic of children of the corn being your first acting gig, how did that fall into all, and how did, all, how did that fall into place? Did you have to like audition for the role or were you approached? No, 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 no. I had to audition, um, uh, for sure. And still do most of the time. I still, I mean, I do get some <laughs> offers, but by and large, I still have to, you know, Go out there and earn them. Um, uh, well, I wish not. It'd be nice to have a stack of ten scripts to just pick from every day, but that's not that's not how it works. <laughs> Especially if you do guest stars in television, they like you to come in. You know, nowadays tape, but they you, they don't just they don't. You know, in the seventies, they used to just give out uh, give out guest stars, but not not anymore. You know, mm-hmm. you have to audition, and it has to go up like three rungs of saying yes. Now it's just so you know. It's so easy. One guy could say one suit can say no and you're out, you know, where the director might want you, the producers want you, the casting director wants you, but some suit goes, I don't know. What's his, IM, what's his, uh, what's his, what's his IMDb score? You know, yeah. <laughs> what's it's his always, Twitter following? What's his ranking? It always <laughs> yeah. comes to the rankings these days, you know, <laughs> I think, I just think this, I just think, you know, the suits are too involved at this at this stage. I understand like them being involved in like, say you're auditioning for a regular, on a pilot and you have to go to what they call go to network and they all they're all there and they make a decision. It's you know, you're these are the regulars. It's a big decision, but I feel like now having to get network approval, it's called network approval all the time. Now I think it's just a, personally, I think it's a lot of micro micromanaging mm-hmm. over micromanaging people trying to justify their paychecks. That's what I think. Um, that's, yeah, that's my opinion. The qu- what was the question again? Something about corn. What was it? So how did it, how did it all fall into place? And most yeah, of yeah. all, so how did the audition go? So I had to audition. Well, yeah, the audition, I mean, I've told this story many, many times, but uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I had this little fake toy knife I had in my pocket and I didn't oh, know whether I was going to pull it or not. And I was too dumb and young to know better. <laughs> and so I did. And uh, on the reader who went on to become a huge casting director uh, later on, yeah. cast wings among other things oh, wow. and uh when I, I put it under his throat so fast he didn't know whether it was real or not he, he you know about wet himself and uh <laughs> went on to tell the story from that point on you know when he has he became a big cast director so never do anything like that to anybody you know yeah. which he's right but at the same time i had to think they'd be thinking to themselves but wait a minute he got the job yeah. <laughs> right it says kind of a mixed message there um but yeah, that's what I did. And it worked. And then the second I had to come back for the second audition and John Franklin had already been cast. It was down to two or three of us Malachi's, I guess. And uh, I just remember grabbing little John by his lapels and about took him off the ground. And, uh, <laughs> he, he loved it. <laughs> and he was, yeah, he said, yeah, you were the one, man. That was up. 
You mentioned in an interview that you think Children of the Corn's success at the time of its release in the 80s was due to the metal community's interest in killing the adults. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I think, (laughs) I I think metal was, was the scene, right? And it was definite defiance, right? And definitely defiance against adults. So I think it was, I think it's, I mean, I think it's a very, very much a metal, you know, metal vibe kind of movie from that point of view. And I think that's why generation to generation, just like rock and roll generation to generation always gets rediscovered because it's teenage rebellion. Right. And uh, that, that movie has that element. So I feel every new generation that sees it, that has angst toward their families, uh, it it plays right into their, uh, their desires on some level. So kids really were that rebellious then, huh? (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I was that rebellious, but I'm saying, you know, have again, having grown up in Los Angeles and having, Lots of friends in Glendale and metal was, I mean, oh, you know, yeah. Randy Rhodes came out of Glendale. Yeah, you know? that's right. He did. Um, yeah. It was the metal scene was the metal scene was pretty big in Los Angeles at that time. You know, I mean, Sunset mm. Strip. I mean, all the bands came. That's where you made came to cut your teeth. Poison, Guns yeah. and Roses, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it true that in the orig- original story, your character Malachi's name was Craig Boardman? <laughs> that, that I know. Of. Where did you get that? I read that online somewhere. Uh, not that I know of. I mean, if you, if you read the short story uh, uh, from <laughs> King's Night Stalking, which they yeah. reissued it because of the movie coming out, uh, Malachi was, wasn't a big role, but he was a, you know, he was a character with that name. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> so am, I how did... a, am I missing a joke here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Could be. So uh, how did you and John Franklin get into character before the cameras turned on? I mean, after all, the characters you guys played were very sadistic kids. Menacing. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak for John. I don't know what John did. But, you know, John was John was a very um, theater-trained actor already. You know, and he was quite a mm. bit older than he looked. So he was, he was ready to go. You know, I mean, he had had a lot of experience doing theater out of Chicago and yeah. tours and things. And so... You know, I mean, I don't know what he did to prepare, but he certainly uh, was convincing. That's for sure. <laughs> it's freaky, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a methody kind of guy, trained in kind of method and, and such, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, I don't know. You're always finding a way to lock in, right? That's always whatever it is. You're trying to find a way to lock in, and I just, I just remember, you know, walking from the trailer through. There was a cornfield path to the wide open cornfield. It was just like you know, getting psyched up, you know what I mean? Like, like stepping out into the arena. That's the best. And so it would give me that moment to like, get my, get myself all full in gear by the time I walked out. And by the time I walked out there, you know, to me, I, I was, the way I like it when you're really, really in the zone, it's like the you Courtney Gaines, you know, the you, your ego is kind of like in the back of your head observing because you have to hear, go over here or go over there. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, you know, 90% the character and, you know, thinking from there. And that's like the Fritz Kirsten the director kept saying, are you okay? You understand what I'm saying? And Cause I'd be looking like I was going to eat him for lunch, you know? And I'd be like, yeah. Just, and then we do a rehearsal and he'd be like, is that how you're going to do it? Cause I don't do anything in rehearsals. I just, mm-hmm. I don't want to know what I'm going to do, nor do yeah. I want you to know what I'm going to do. You want to be a right? surprise. Yeah. And I, you figure you get maybe two, three good spontaneous takes. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'd be, I would just be like, no, just roll. Don't like it. Tell me what you want. <laughs> and, just, and then it would just go, I'd go off, you know? And uh, 
it worked out pretty well. So that's hilarious. And that's a lot of live directors like that with me. The first couple, you know, the first, they're just not sure. Cause they saw, they saw an audition that was great or whatever. Then they see me on set yeah. and my, my uh, rehearsals are crap and they get worried. And then after a few times they realize, okay, that's Gave just how chance. he works. That's yeah. just how he works. Leave him alone. <laughs> when children of the corn came out, you've talked about getting recognized and freaking kids out everywhere. Is that true? Oh yeah. And it was very, it was, it was, it was very overwhelming. Yeah. It was very overwhelming. I wasn't, um, I guess I maybe should have been, but I wasn't mentally prepared for the, all the recognition all of a sudden. And wow. then not only recognition, but uh, a fair amount of, not to say negative, you know, negative, but, but, you know, people being scared of you in real life. I just didn't yeah. see that coming. So kind of so, like Linda Blair's situation in Exorcist. Uh, my God. Yeah. 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 I'm sure. Probably times 10. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would think so. What she went through, I'm sure times, times a lot more than probably what I went through, but you know, still being a teenager, still being uh, a little self-conscious, a little self-aware. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little shy ultimately, I think. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, it was overwhelming, but the, the, the thing I got out of it was I realized, my God, the power of cinema, you know, the power of cinema, like what you put out there, good, bad, or indifferent can have a great effect on people's lives and minds. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when it's, when it's a uh, positive, you know, for me, that's, you know, I like, I prefer that more. <laughs> yeah, for like sure. when, you know, when somebody come, you know, I've had people come up to me from like, say like, can't buy me love, which I saw on your poster, uh, saying, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a football player going into my senior year of high school. Couldn't wait to razz the, the freshman. And then I saw that movie that summer and I couldn't do it. Ah, uh, you're cool. like, whoa like right like that's really like cool. wow that got under someone's skin enough that yeah. they took a look at their own behavior and yeah. stopped it to me that's powerful when you know cinema can do something like that or somebody comes up say from like memphis bell i got a convention somebody come up and say i i saw that movie with my father and he was in world war ii he was a pot he was an he was an airman but he never ever talked about it we saw that movie together and then he opened up and he started talking about it Oh, that's super cool. Wow. Yeah. You're like, Whoa, the power of cinema, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the stuff that, you know, you go, wow, this, you know, on some level, this is worth doing. This has some, mm -hmm. some impact, you know? Yeah. Well, no film and even music, you know, can impact people sure. in a lot of ways, you know, oh, and a lot oh. of your films have had really good longevity too. I mean, they're still around today. The people are still talking about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you think about that eighties run, you know, uh, it, it you know pretty remarkable that you know had a a, a hit in sort of you know each genre you know the horror mm -hmm. and horror was not horror was completely looked down to at that point as you know just be oh, yeah. schlock i don't think that any of the you know the critics panned it you know panned me you know mm -hmm. i don't think that they saw it coming that eventually like the two strongest fan bases would be sci-fi and horror yeah big time you know and thus horror would become what it is and people from horror would become iconic and you know and, and certainly i didn't i didn't either i was just trying to get my first job and do a good job you know yeah. but uh yeah the fan they 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 seriously underestimated the loyalty of the fan base uh of, of the genre yeah no and honestly based on my personal experience i think horror definitely has the most dedicated fan base out there if you ask Big me time. And yeah, sci-fi is pretty good too. I mean, if you've if you've been yeah. if you've been on Star Trek, you can do a lot of conventions for the rest of your life. 
<laughs> I've been to Comic Con. I've seen it. It's crazy. Yeah, Comic Con, exactly. And you know, nowadays with everything being you know comic book characters, I mean, yeah. more or less action sci-fi. Yeah, exactly. So, did you go back and read any of Stephen King's work or his books uh, before uh, filming began? I just read the short story. Um, yeah, the short story. Yeah. Gotcha. And didn't you know? Didn't yield a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, like I said, Malachi wasn't really in till the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. And even then, honestly, I, I wasn't that aware. Of, I wasn't that aware of Stephen King. I mean, I knew, you know, I knew, I knew he had some stuff happening, but he was just starting to explode. Yeah. In terms of being his movies, his script, his films, I mean, his books being made in two movies, which yeah. is why they got on the bandwagon. So he really um, wasn't the house, household name yet. Right. Yeah. Um, but certainly, you know, rode on his coattails here. So you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank goodness for Stephen King. You know? yeah. <laughs> You've yeah. also said that the cornfield itself had some sort of energy to get you in the acting headspace that you needed. Uh, yeah, it, it really did. Uh, I, I can't explain it. Um, <laughs> uh, like I said, I'd be psyching myself up on the walk and then yeah. I would get into the arena and just, there would be that much more energy. It seemed like. Yeah. And, uh, and it's never really happened to me like this before or since to this degree, but right when they would say rolling and actually I feel energy come like through the, you know, the sky, the muse, as they call it, come right through me to the bottom of my toes and come right back out of my eyes. Yeah. It happened to me every time I was in the cornfield working. That's crazy. Not everywhere else, but there every time. Was Iowa really boring on the off days? Uh, not for me because, uh, Having grown up in L.A., I found a S- S- Sioux City, Iowa, like really re- refreshing. Like a solace. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like people were just like, you know, in denim jackets, T-shirts and jeans and like just down home, you know, and not. Yeah. L.A. is so fucking pretentious, man. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, yeah. you know, everybody's. We actually, like, yeah, we both. Everybody's, <laughs> everybody's a goddamn poser, you know, and. and terrible. Yeah. You know, so and, and those are all people coming from all over the United States is not other parts of the world too but they come there and then they think they got to be something that they're not yeah you know and uh just gotta stay true to yourself easier said than done right but yeah and i mean i think i think you know if it's for me it's just about the work right so like the rest was always whatever you know Mm -hmm. and luckily in some ways i was never so famous so big that i was getting all the temptations and spoils to the maximum level that you might get that might take you know take just like it takes all big bands down right it's the women and the drugs and you know pretty much <laughs> well, right you have everything at your your fingertips and it's pretty much you, you get caught up in those addictions as it were which would be yeah i mean if you had hot women coming at you at all times how would you i mean who would you how would you not <laughs> how would you not <laughs> exactly but but you're gonna lose yourself along the way i mean there's exactly. just so, you know, it was never like, I mean, I don't know, saying yeah, some spoils, I, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying it wasn't so insane that, uh, that I wasn't able to, I always knew what was most important mm-hmm. and it's still the most important, you know, it's, it's the work itself, you know, mm-hmm. and I always say, it doesn't matter if I'm doing a $40,000 movie or a $40 million movie, my job's the same. Exactly. And I take it, I take it just as seriously. Yeah. Work hard, and, stay humble. That's what you got to do. I don't know, you know, humility. I don't know. I mean, look, I think you also have to, I mean, I think it's a double, double edged sword about everything. So like humility on one hand is, is, is good, but I think as an actor, you have to be absolutely arrogant. And what I mean by that is this, that you're dealing with 
at, you know, if you're doing well enough to be a working actor like myself, right? Yeah. I'm booking one out of 10 auditions or something like that, right? Which is really, most people, that's a pretty high ratio because I don't get a ton yeah. of stuff because I'm not right for everything. So I better be at a book what I'm right for, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to stay busy. So that means 90% rejection. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. And that's when it's going well. Right. How about when it's there's times you're on a hot streak and you go in, and you don't even think you're doing good auditions, but you're getting jobs. And then there are other times you're like, feel like you're slaying it and you can't get arrested. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's in my 35 years. That's, you know, my experience of the ups and downs of it all. Right. Yeah. If you're not arrogant enough when you're getting like going like, you know, oh, for 30 or something or whatever's happening. Right. To go. It's not me. It's them. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know how good I am. I'll show them. You have to have that. You have to be able to like reject their rejection and say, no, no, no. I still got, I got the goods and I'm going to come in and show the next one, you know? Yeah. And if absolutely. you don't, you're going to get eaten alive. I mean, I really, I really believe that. So on some level you have to be a little arrogant. You have to have a high belief, a high belief system in yourself. Not that I don't have doubts. Never every every good job I get, I have doubts. Am I going to get there this time? Am I going to make it this time? Am I going to yeah. am I going to freeze up and suck on set this time? It, it, it ha- I have all those doubts, but at the same time, you know, I also know that I always say, look, I mean, I've, you know, I'm not obviously I'm not the biggest actor in the world, but I don't give a fuck who's out there. The name the biggest actor. This was fucking boxing. You would not want to get in the ring with me. Yeah, not for no, sure. Definitely not. <laughs> and that's how, but that's how I feel about it, right? So that's a certain amount of arrogance to say that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, like I don't care who you are and how big you are. If this was a fight, you wouldn't want to get in the ring with me. You just got to prance in there and be like, do you know who Cause I, I am? Because I will throw down. <laughs> I will it. throw down. I will throw down. <laughs> Choose your battles <laughs> and, and, wisely. And, and that's So that's, you know, that level of, you know, that there's that level of arrogance there at the same time. And I, like I said, I think you got to have it. I think you got to have a little little hubris <laughs> and have a little spine. <laughs> yeah. So did you expect a uh, children of the corn to become a big cult classic? That's still watched by many people, including newer generations. <laughs> not no, at all. <laughs> I, didn't see it. I just didn't see it coming at all because like I said, horror was not a big genre and it wasn't as popular as it is. And wasn't, it isn't as mainstream as it is now. So no, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. And, and I was just trying to do good on my first job, you know, and then get to yeah. my next job and, try to, you know, actually pull this thing off, you know, called work, being a working actor. So mm-hmm. no, and it, it, and it's, it, you know, it's a weird thing to really have the first thing you've ever done be probably the most recognizable thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a weird, you know, I, I certainly tried to uh, outdo that at certain times in my life. I was like, I got to get something better than that, you know, yeah. and it just never happened. And so I was like, okay, at some point I learned to really doing conventions probably started doing those like 15 years ago or something was really where I kind of came to peace with it all. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I was, again, I wasn't really at that time on the internet much and uh, just didn't really understand that the impact that it had and like, not just that, but the burbs, like I had no idea the burbs had a cult following like it did. Yeah. I I really didn't. I really didn't know. I mean, there are some, die hard burbs fans out there I oh mean, big time absolutely it's a great it's such a great movie and you know i sat down and watched it again recently you know what i can it's just like there's even like there's just some very funny scenes you know you just have to laugh at especially like cory cory feldman's character just how 
Right. He's that typical rocker stoner kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just got yeah. such a likable cast too, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then just Joe Dante's sensibilities, obviously. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, his his directorial sensibilities are all all over that movie. You know, it all came um, together. Yeah. But yeah, when you think about some sometimes I think about it and think about just not just uh, you know, not just you know, like say Tom Hanks and Carrie Fisher, but yeah, you know, but even that. But we start looking at like all the the little roles, the people that that you know, smaller roles that that. Uh, that Joe Dante's worked with those guys, those guys all have great histories. Like every mm-hmm. one of them, like, you know, they were, they were at some point in their, in some point in their careers, like really rolling, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he still recognized them as talents. The people that made a difference, you could tell me that he loved from like a Roger Corman film, you know, when he was a kid, you mm-hmm. know, and they're in his movies now. And I love that element. There's so many good people in that movie. Have you ever felt typecast because of children of the corn? Or do you think you've received plenty of variety of uh, roles? I wouldn't blame Children of the Corn for the you know my typecasting as or I think every actor feels typecast. Like Just I think general. the bigger I think some ways I think the bigger you get, the more typecast you become, right? I mean, like yeah, like like what can Vin what else can Vin Diesel do at this point? Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, even like Dwayne Johnson and all those guys. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think like Vince, like he'd be because he has that one franchise, right? It's like, and it's like yeah. made him a wealthy man, but like he can't really, you know, he probably could do so- something else, you know? Absolutely. But he's certainly not really getting the chance to, right? So yeah. I think that it, because once, once you struck gold, as it were, your team and the, and the people that are willing to pay you a lot are going to say, keep milking that. That's what's, that's what's getting butts in the seats. Keep doing that, you know? Yeah. So, so I think, you know, I think I would say my type casting probably has everything to do with more to do with my looks than anything yeah. else. Right. Yeah. Like, it's like, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not a leading man, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not your standard dark haired, broad shouldered, strong chinned dude. Right. I'm not that guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you got that uh, very, you got that, you got that unique look that sticks out correct. to people. And that's yeah, you're, what you're made distinct. you very, rec- that's what made you very record. Correct. Correct. Right. I have a unique look. But like, but like there's certain things you're going to get cast in, right? Like I'm going to get cast like, and you know, even short on the corners, you know, I got cast in a, a guy from the Midwest, mm-hmm. right? Because I fucking look like a guy from the Midwest. You definitely like, you do. Know, I've done, I've done civil war movies, right? Like I did a civil war movie in Virginia. I looked like people's cousin there. You know, oh I was, I was like, holy shit. Like I look <laughs> like everybody here, you know, I grew up in LA. I didn't know how people looked in Virginia. Yeah. You know, but when I looked around, I was like, I felt like out of everybody in the cast, I was the most like looking from Virginia person in the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're gonna, and, and then my, my acting mentors from Iowa, not from Sioux city, but from Iowa. So oh, wow. I got a little bit of his lazy Midwestern accent. Cause I studied with a guy for a decade. Plus California lazy accent isn't all that different than the Midwest. No. So my look and my speech all kind of fit that that groove so that's unless you unless you're an actor who can breaks out big enough that you sort of can break your mold you know i used to be like like you know to me like something like whoopi goldberg to me or something is an amazing thing because she just doesn't seem like she should exist you know some black lady with dreads named whoopi goldberg is not really a leading lady yeah but she's brilliant right and she's brilliant Mm -hmm. enough to like just surpass all the conversations and just, you know, become a star, you know, mm-hmm. Big time. that makes sense. So, no, it makes perfect sense. 
so apparently a few pranks were pulled during the set. Uh, I know you mentioned that you got Linda Hamilton with the sheet over the dead kid. Yeah, it wasn't me. I didn't come up with the prank, that, but I was there to witness it. That was day Oh, you were there one. to witness it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was day one. Like my first scene was when I walk out of the cornfield for the first time in that dream sequence and start walking. So my literally my first yeah. moment was my first moment, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any dialogue, which was kind of cool. Get your first moment under your belt, you know? Yeah. So, you could handle so it was smart of them but um but so in that sequence after you know my walk she's supposed to you know be asleep or whatever and she has the dream and yeah, yeah they snuck the real they snuck jonas under the sheet for real not the yeah. dummy that yeah. they hit a run over and uh you know everybody's like oh like, this is what we do in movies we prank everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> so first day best prank ever still to this day best prank ever and yeah she uh she jumped back like 10 feet you know? <laughs> she was great though she's a great sport though like she got scared that she was like stop the bitches you know <laughs> did she get anybody back <laughs> not that i know of but uh, that would have been funny if she did but she, she's a super super nice lady oh amazing actor yeah, she, she, she seems like it yeah right. she's, she's real genuine man was there any kind of cast party for the film once you guys wrapped yeah there was and um yeah that's a, that's that's all that's a story i actually like to tell just because it's you know crazy so yeah uh maybe you already heard this story so uh no not actually no i have <laughs> so so we were right on the border of nebraska right like really close to nebraska so, so yeah. nebraska you can get liquor at like some stupid age like 19 or 18 or something oh, wow. right makes sense. yeah so you can also buy something called everclear there okay <laughs> Everclear is like 90 proof. Yeah. <laughs> you can't buy that shit in California. No, definitely not. And so uh, I decided that, uh, you know, the best, you know, having never gotten rid of a character after it was done, having no real process for that, I've, I've since sort of come up with my own methods to complete the process. Yeah. Um, I decided at the party, I was going to, you know, smoke a couple of dibs and, and drink Everclear. <laughs> yeah. And I danced with every girl that night in the place yeah i've never done that before or since and i just <laughs> i just I, and i i woke up the next morning with like zero hangover and and it was just like i had just purged the demon that's what i did <laughs> and it worked it worked and some girl i had a rush hat that was like i brought out from la yeah. cool rush hat and some girl stole it during the you know, during, during the party and never gave it back to me that was the only thing i was pissed off about so there weren't any any real sacrifices going on in the cornfield no, no real sacrifices <laughs> do people ever make any lame jokes to you when you eat corn oh, are you kidding like yeah corn is Can like you even go near it <laughs> corn is like a yeah i'll always be associated with court you know and, and uh and then you know then courtney right it's all it's just all there right oh i never and, even realized and uh yeah i've had people I mean, I've had, I've, I've signed corn. I've signed corn stocks. I've, uh, oh, I've had people bring me <laughs> some, some, a fan of the convention once, and I still have it. Brought me a, uh, like a 1950s, like a poster, like an advertisement for like corn. I oh my like, God. It's cool though. I like it. So you still I got it? it. <laughs> yes. I have it somewhere, but awesome. it was, yeah, but it's just, it never, yeah, it never ends with the, you know, corn and corn stocks. And yeah, there's no, there's no getting away from it. It's, uh, it's in, but it, I think it's an interesting thing about the movies that you know, like Jaws is associated to water, you know, that yeah. movie is associated to corn. People can't go driving, you know, in anywhere in, in the Midwest and see corn and not think of that movie. It's a weird so true. Interesting association. I know? always think of it every time. 
So not long after your breakthrough role in Corn, you found yourself acting in one of the most popular 80s films of all time, Back to the Future. Yeah. How, how fun was it to be on such a, le- a legendary set? Well, again, I didn't know it was going to be, you know, one of the biggest trilogies of yeah, all time. Yeah, no, of course not. No idea that, but we Big did time. know, you know, Spielberg, Spielberg was involved, so that gives you a lot of hope, right? <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, Big time. Um, the, the thing was that was interesting for me is so the first, actually the first, first film I ever did was uh, a short film, an AFI film with uh, Crispin Glover. Oh, Oh, really? Yeah. And it's now it's, you can get the whole thing. Now it's called the Beaver Trilogies. Three people have done the story. One of them being Sean Penn. It's like, it's been an amazing group of people have played the guy and it's become this thing now known as the Beaver Trilogies. And, uh, so so I'm just, so I, you know, I get the job. It's my first gig. I'm just supposed to be like a kid smoking in the boys room or whatever. And, and, uh, and then you got, you know, uh, Trent, the director was like, okay, rehearsal. And then the door, I'm talking to this guy and then door opens and it's, it's Chris McGlover dressed in the black outfit from Olivia Newton, John, in, uh, in, uh, you know, the movie, uh, uh the new musical, uh, Greece. Greece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, Greece. <laughs> it's fucking Chris McGlover dressed like that. Oh my God. <laughs> I could totally see that. I have and, to see that. And, and you're just, so your first, you're just mind blown by that. But then I'm mind blown by how good this guy is. Like, right. Like, like his subtext, you know, you can, you know, you watch Chris McGlover. He has subtext going through his eyes constantly. You know oh, what I mean? It's crazy. He's like, uh, hey, hey guys. Uh. <laughs> and I'm just like, who is this dude? Like this guy is really freaking interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, so we got to know each other a little bit after that. And uh, so, you know, when I went on that set, you know, he, came right to my trailer and said hello. And, you know, that's kind of puts you at home when you know somebody on a set and especially yeah, somebody who's like starring in it and all like that. It was really, so mm-hmm. that, that was really good. And then the other huge bonus was, so, you know, Eric Stoltz was originally the lead in that and got, that's right. Got let go. Yeah. That's right. Biggest, biggest, toughest thing that ever happened to him in his career. And, uh, and uh, so I had already, you can, when you hire an actor, you can do what's called a drop pickup once you can like, you could hold, you can like, drop them from shooting and then not let them shoot for until whenever you want, not have to pay them. But after you do that, you have to pay them every day. You don't use them. Yeah. So five weeks went by without, with me getting paid until they freaked out and found out. And then we negotiated something, but so it ended up being a small role, three, four scenes, whatever it was, ended up being uh, one of the better paydays I ever had. And because of the success, the best residuals I've ever had. Yeah. So, total <laughs> blessing. Total blessing back yeah. to the future. Yeah. And you got to got to go up and kick uh Crispin in the back. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to kick him in his ass a few times. <laughs> How many takes did that take? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. But Z- Zemeckis likes to shoot a lot. Like with the, the dance we shot for two days. Oh wow. Every yeah. angle you could think of, you know, just kept shooting, kept shooting, kept shooting. But that's you know, he had the budget to do it and that's how he works, and it certainly had great coverage. So Oh, yeah. wonderful. it's funny because my brother and i always used to impersonate your laugh when we were kids in the movie it's just because, <laughs> let's hear it let's hear it i want to do hear it. it do it do it okay <laughs> okay it's been a while it's been a while <laughs> oh, God. that's pretty good okay. that's, that's pretty good it's, it's been a while but i brother, like it i I, we, I, forgot. I was that bolster i was that loud i mean i forgot dude you had such an amazing laugh my brother and i would impersonate it almost every day as kids and you know did you did, were, did anybody ever tell you that you had a great laugh back then like especially no no but you know it's always amazing how people like have lines that you know people quote and all that just to be even in the you know the, the 
to have lines that you've done in movies that people quote just blows me away. And then now to know there's also a laugh on top of that. It's, you know, again, such a small role in a movie. And yet yeah. somehow that stuck with you of all so many things in that film that stuck with you. It's kind of neat. Yeah. And you know, they should have never, I think it was a big mistake that they got rid of the phone booth scene with you and Crispin. Cause you right. know, that explains yeah. the the car to fight Biff. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Because, like, even though that scene was cut and it was put in the DVD and Blu-ray releases down the road, in the very least, you did get to play the part that did make it into the final cut that played an important right. part of, you know, Marty almost being erased and then Chris. Right, yeah, it's, a, it's a pivotal yeah. moment. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think I've seen that phone booth scene. I can't really remember it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's on, it's on YouTube now because they... Oh, put, I'll like, look it up then. They I'll put up, up deleted scenes and all that. I'll look it but up. Yeah, but yeah, so like uh, how many takes did it take? Did uh, Crispin have to keep pushing you down? <laughs> a thousand. I don't remember. Yeah, it ran so long ago, man. You know, so many jobs ago. But yeah. uh, <laughs> probably three or four, I would I would imagine. Yeah. All I know is Crispin drove Zemeckis, which Zemeckis is readily said, drove Zemeckis crazy. Because he would he would always want to do another take. And he'd always want to try something new. Because Crispin's just so creative, right? Oh, he's wild. So he'd always want another one. He'd be like, it's fine, Crispin. No, no, but it's fine, Crispin. No, <laughs> Crispin, it's fine. We're moving on, you know. Yeah. Have you have you uh, seen Crispin since? Yeah, certainly over the years I've bumped into him. But the, re uh, the most recent was we were both in a, a miniseries called Texas Rising. Really? Yeah. So we, we got to spend quite a bit of time with each other again. That was, that came out in, what, I think, 2015? That was like the most like close to old school Hollywood project I'd been involved in a long time. Basically, like, you know, we shot it in Mexico and you'd be at the hotel just hanging out for days, you know, so they get to you. Nowadays, people schedule things so tight and they're trying to get you for as cheap as they can and squeeze you in as fast as they can. But that thing was like, we're all here for months. We're just going to shoot this Western miniseries. And so it was, it was awesome. So we got to spend a lot of time together and hanging out. And hanging out at the bar. What else are you gonna do in Mexico but hang out at the bar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I wish he used. I wish he did conventions. I'd love to meet him someday. Yeah, he he doesn't do a lot, and he only does them if they'll let him show his movies. That's like his. his oh, that's his thing. Yeah, yeah, you have to watch one of his crazy movies. You know that he does from his crazy books. You know, and yeah, you ever seen his well, books? Where like yeah, he takes yeah. a book and then tars out everything he doesn't want that's lines. And, and then keeps the lines he wants and he makes a story out of it. Oh yeah. yeah. I think I have he's, actually. He's super creative, man. That guy is interesting. You know, yeah. I gotta, I gotta give that guy a lot of credit and, you know, even being able to bring the character of Andy Warhol to life on film too. That takes who, a lot. Who else? Who else? Yeah, who, else, who, else but, who else but Chris? I mean, perfect. Know? Perfect. And That's what about his cast? What about his amazing dancing in Friday the 13th part four? Yes. <laughs> see that. And see that. Oh, that's, <laughs> That's got to be added to your just, list. You'll just die. go on, just go on YouTube, type in Crispin Glover dance in Friday the 13th. It'll first thing that comes up. It'll make your day. Literally. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a, I, I say like crazy, this crazy, but I'm a fan. I'm a fan of him creatively and oh, I always yeah, have been. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, with, uh, the movie colors, you got to play a very, uh, interesting role, like being like one of the people of, uh, you know, like, uh, the gang and then, right. so, uh, what were your thoughts on like having to play like a character like that? Like you being growing up in a uh, LA, I'm sure you could relate, right? Not only growing up in LA, but growing up in the hood. 
Yeah. So yeah. I grew up, I grew up with dudes like that. I grew up with a guy that I went to grammar school with. He became a banger. He was a redhead named Billy Red. So I literally just, you know, stole him. Right. So, uh, so how that came about was back to my mentor, Virgil Fry. He knew Dennis Hopper very well. He helped him make easy writer. So that's how oh, far wow. back they went. Right. So when we were, when I was doing can't buy me love with Gerardo Mejia he got that script and that was the second film Gerardo and I did. We didn't film before that. So he's like, he's like, dude, you're not going to believe what they're doing. Dennis Hopper's doing a gangbanger movie. And there's a white boy in the gangs. Cause he knew, you know, we had talked, he knew where I was from and, and yeah. like that. And so I called, I called Virgil, who was my manager at the time. And I said, man, you got to give me that. You got to get me in the door on that. Like nobody knows how to play that stuff, you know, especially any white guys, nobody knows how to play that stuff. And so when I got back to LA is when they were setting up the casting and, I, all I had to do is go take what they call a general meeting. That's when you know it's going well when you get to the point where you're taking general meetings, not having an audition. Yeah. I just came in the more or less the apparel. And he's like, so you're from, you know, you know this stuff. And I'm like, yep. And he's like, you're from, I'm like, yep. yep. He's, like, he's like, okay, you're in. I'm like, great. That's awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. how that happens. So, um, and then the girl that plays uh, more or less my girlfriend and a girl, girl named woman named Peggy Medina, who at the time worked, that was like her first break. She was from our acting class and she got him. She had no credits at that point. So she, she, she was actually a girl from the Valley, but she had family members and, you know, lived in the tough neighborhoods. She created a whole character, went in there and told them improv a whole sob story that wasn't true, blew them away, had them in tears and they gave her the job. That's insane. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome. And then, and so that's how we made her, you know, made sort of a relationship where she played my girlfriend and stuff. You know, we didn't, it wasn't something I had to talk about, but she'd be sitting on my lap or whatever, because we knew each other, you know, for a long time and we knew how each other worked. And, yeah. Um, but that was her first break. Well, that was a lot of people's first break. That was Don Cheeto's first break. That was Glenn. That's right. Yeah. Hummer's really? first break. Uh, that was, uh, Wayne's first break. Oh yeah, oh, Damon Wayne's. He was yeah, right. hilarious. Yeah. The funniest scene in the whole movie is when he's like trying yeah. to hump the the uh, <laughs> on PCP trying to hump the big bunny. The most hilarious that. scene in the whole movie. Oh man, yeah, no, and he's gone on. They've gone on to do oh, a lot yeah. of great. Things. Oh yeah, oh, no, they. No, well, yeah. absolutely. That was a big no. break for a lot. That was that was, that was uh, uh yeah. Uh, that was that was a big break for a lot of people of color. That movie. Yeah, yeah. and you know, even like uh, well, obviously, you know that played like a huge part, you know, talking about the stories of the rivalry between the Crips and the blood. So did you have to, did you see a lot of that? Like while living there? Um, well, you know, I was aware of the Crips and blood. So how could you not be, but I didn't, I lived, I lived more toward a, like Silver Lake Echo Park area. So it was more gotcha. of a Latino gang. So it was like 18th street, frog town, white fence, which they, they have white fence. They even have the white fence in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we had to go shoot down in South Central and that's like definitely taken to the next level, you oh, know, that's scary. And it, it, it was scary because you'd be walking around in your gang apparel and there'd be dudes cruising around and like vans and shit. You're going like, I hope they fucking know I'm an actor down in their hood. <laughs> Did any of them scream at you? Like, no, but you'd they'd be cruising by checking you out. I mean, yeah. you know, and that's drive-bys are a real thing. You know what I mean? Oh, big so time. That was, oh, yeah. they would try to lock off the streets but still people would get through, you know? And, and then the other thing that was, that was kind of hairy that people didn't talk about, no one ever really talks about, but you, you, you have guys who were in our gang, like our extras or whatever, they'd have to be, 
you know, go wherever we went to shoot. So you'd have some yeah. hours, say some guys are playing Bloods or whatever, and they'd be in the wrong neighborhood, and they'd have to be oh. then after the show trying to figure out how to get out of that neighborhood. Sometimes dudes would be land farming stuff. Wow. It was like, and the, you know, the production had no clue any of that shit was going on. They were just oblivious of like neighborhoods, and they were just Dennis Hopper just wanted to shoot anywhere there was a cool mural. You know, he caught every cool mural in East LA and South Los Angeles. Showed that there's art everywhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he, you know, and, uh, but they had no clue the some of the situations they were putting some of these dudes in, you know? <laughs> yeah. So do you have any memorable experiences of working with Sean Penn and Robert Duvall? Of course. Um, you know, the, the, the funny thing was that with Sean was, you know, he was, that's when he was, when he was with Madonna, mm -hmm. it was just like absolutely anti anybody take his picture. So he would just be like chilling one second and some photographer would like get on set and he'd like chase him down and say, you know, he just, <laughs> he just like lose his shit, you know, over yeah. people taking photos of him. It was, it was, it was kind of pretty funny, you know, but he was very cool to me. We got on really well. And, um, uh, Duvall for me has always been one of my faves. So, of course. you know, I had my eye on him from the jump, you know, is, how's he going to handle this? Is he going to, is he going to phone this in? Like, what's the, what's the great Duvall going to do, you know? And he was just a, a class act from jump to end. The first thing was the first thing we did was we had this big reading down in East LA, actually in a theater down in East LA, where we read the script. So oh, you know, we're talking like that, that cast is like a hundred and some odd people. It's a, like my character's like I think number 85 in the cast list. I mean, it's a massive cast list. Robert Duvall was at the front door shaking everybody's hand as they came through and introduced himself. Oh, I love that. It's so classy. And not only that, so smart, because of course, everybody's going to want to meet Robert Duvall. Yeah. So like, let's just get that out of the way. We're here. We are. Hi, I'm, we're making a movie together. You yeah. know, nothing but respect. Right. It was so great. And then um, the last scene we did was was the end of the movie, which is when he gets shot. And, you know, I was less than three feet from him watching him do that scene. And I learned a, a lot that day. And the reason I learned a lot was. So I always thought like, you know, I know like, you know, lesser actors get treated like crap. Sometimes they say they're ready, but they're not ready. And they put you through a lot of bullshit. But I don't think they would dare do that to somebody of his stature, right? Never. Well, they did. So he's oh, lying gosh. there. They have a fernie pad for him at least. He's lying there and, you know, it's the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning or whatever. You know, you bring him on a set for that big scene. It's like go time, right? Yeah. Well, they decide that the delighting decides that, they don't like the lighting all of a sudden. And so he lies on the ground for like 45 minutes waiting nice. for them to be ready. And I'm just shocked that they're doing this to Robert Duvall in his biggest fucking scene in the movie. That's crazy. So finally Dennis Hopper comes up and says, uh, okay, whenever you're ready. And he's like, I'm ready. And he was just laying there cool as a cucumber. And he just blows the roof off it, man. Best, best work I've ever seen. And you know, I, I was so blown away that when that was the master and I was so blown away, I had to, I had to come up to him. Like, and I don't normally go, Hey man, you know, talk to people when they're trying to wear about It's like, I was like, dude, dude, that was awesome. man. That was <laughs> awesome. And he looked at me and he said, ah, I wish that had been my close up. I don't know if I have another one like that because he'd been sitting there so long. He just yeah. blew his wad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he didn't, his close ups were good very competent but it wasn't that right and the reason i always tell this story is if you watch the film you will see his close-up 
it's a at a bit of a weird angle, a little weird in Dutch. Yeah. And you'll also notice it's grainy. You know why? Because they blew his clo- they blew that master up. Yeah. Because it was unbelievable. There's a moment where the the film looks like it gets like a little light, like he leaves his freaking body. <laughs> I'm telling you, watch that scene. It's it's a it's a it's a piece of you know. A master, a master at work. He took you know? some of your children of the corn energy. I don't know about <laughs> that. Back to corn. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. No, you've done, you've done many single episodic outings for television. <laughs> He's back to his list. You've done. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you enjoy making guest appearances, or do you prefer to stick around for more than one episode? Well, if I could, if I could have, you know, been a series regular, I would, I would have done it. Right. Yeah. It's uh, I've gotten close a few times. I had a few pilots and things, but I've never been, uh, you know, you sort of get, there's a list, you yeah. know, of right. like people that wants to get on that list of series regular types. Yeah. Um, I never cracked that. So mm-hmm. what was available was, was guest stars on TV and, mm-hmm. uh, some great roles. So, you know, I got, I got a chance to do some great roles, uh, uh, that are, you know, are a real challenge that you, when you only have a week to prepare, you get, you know, you audition mm-hmm. very little time, then you get the job, maybe you have a week to prepare and you got to pull off something, you know, like I did a diagnosis murder where the character was paralyzed on one side, pretending to have cerebral palsy on the other, you know, that's yeah. that, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, those are the jobs I take pride in getting in. And I feel those are the jobs that I, you know, I say cut the men from the boys, you know what I mean? Like not many guys can do a guest star and pull something like that off. You know what I mean? They're just, yeah, they're just not good enough, you know? Um, so I, I get those kind of jobs. I get those kind of hard jobs. And the last really great character I did uh, was for a criminal minds where I played a really complex yeah. character. Nice. That was really complex. And that was an offer. That's the only time I've ever been offered a guest star on a TV show in my whole career. I've always had to audition. And, and then it was like the most com- most confusing complex when I went to the table read and I came in early so I could take a meeting with the director. And I'm like, I don't understand this. Like what's going on with this guy? And yeah. he's like, let's go talk to the writer. Cause it was that. So we go talk to the writer producer and yeah. he, he doesn't break it down totally. And so I, you know, I got, I got nuggets from them and I just kept putting it together, but it was a very uh, complex character. Um, lots of different things going on, post-traumatic stress, all kinds yeah. of things. And, uh, but it was a great role. So, so TV's offered me some wonderful roles, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah, would I have taken, a, would I take the series take regular <laughs> and take the cash? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a no-win situation. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so which of, of all the TV series that you did, which one of the bunch was your most favorite to work on? Oof, oof. That's that's yeah. That's like something people say. What is your favorite role? It's always kind of impossible to true. Yeah. To say that it really comes. It's it's it comes down to like the experience you have, right? It's like was it yeah. an experience or a bad? You know, the audience is only seeing what's on the screen and what they experience from that. But you have all the memories of who were the jerk offs and who were the fun people to work <laughs> with. Who was who was you know who was who who made you feel welcome? Who didn't? Who was like. Hey, you're not going to be here next week. I don't give two rats out. And it's different yeah. shows that have different vibes like that. Definitely. Absolutely. You know, you just don't know till you walk on the show what what people's uh, are going to be like. 
and some of them are supportive and some of them aren't you know yeah um like that character i did on diagnosis murder i was forewarned that dick van dyke would just be telling okay. jokes and doing and singing show tunes and dancing like right in front of you as you're trying to before you're trying to prepare oh. and thank god because it was definitely distracting and i just used it you know yeah and when i got to come out of character and yell at him i like blew his hair off yeah off his, yeah his <laughs> back you know it's like spitting on his face probably i'm sure and look dick van dyke man i mean dick van dyke i mean he's had an incredible career yeah. But, you know, again, I don't care who you are. You're not going to treat my process with respect. Let's see you pull that off, fool. When yeah, a week's right. notice. <laughs> you, think this, you think this is easy? Yeah. You think this character with a week's notice is easy? No. You're, no, you're going to like, true. you're going to be like jerking around on set? You know? Yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was really uncool, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but I, but, but I put it to work, you know, I put it to work. I couldn't wait to yell at his ass. So for those unaware, you actually have a long history in music. You were in a band in the 90s called The Gathering. Then in mm -hmm. 2006, you fronted uh, Benny Bliss and the Disciples of Greatness. And then yeah. in 2009, you co-founded the band Ripple Street. Yeah. Now, now you have a new EP out under just Courtney Gaines. And right. It's called Journeyman. Tell us a little right. bit about that. Uh, so the big thing, uh, there, I like all four songs on there, uh, different, different recordings at different times. But the Journeyman is kind of a... I like the title anyway, but it's kind of a, an interesting yeah. subject because um, my girlfriend at the time, uh, her best friend was dating Matt Sorum at the time. Uh, and I, I went up to Matt's house. Matt's the drummer from Guns N' Roses, as well as the, the cult. Fantastic drummer. Absolutely. So. And um, uh, he was like, you know, somebody said, I do, I do music. I, I, he's like, he's like, play something. And I'm just like, oh, man. Right. It's like, I'm, I, I'm like, I don't know. But, but I did. And he's like, I like your voice. You want to record something? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh put a band together and that was the song I felt was the strongest song. And then uh we tracked it and it, that was a really great experience. And then um it really needed kind of a really good blues lead guitar on it. Yeah. And I said that, but I didn't say like you know anything else. I just said, well, we need you know, and Slash needed to go up there to record uh something, and so so he said, Well, will you do this for me? And um and so Slash came up and played lead on this freaking song. And, uh, you know, I knew that he always uh, has, has a bottle of Jack sitting next to him when he played. I'd heard that. So I brought I heard a, that. So I bought a big ass bottle of Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I said, thanks for coming. man. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah. And, uh, you know, when it was all done, it was an amazing experience to watch him and uh, uh, work. And also the uh, the engineer guy had just come off a stones album they were just so like in sync working together working yeah. this lead out and uh when he left matt said you know if he didn't like the song he would have just done one one time through and that would have been that yeah he said so he must have liked it because he he stayed here like three hours or whatever working on this thing yeah and i was just like wow right so that was a uh, you know one of my great rock and roll moments and stories and mm -hmm. as i'm putting these things out this year i'm going to try to share you know these stories because people don't know anything about you know, me doing music. And I know I haven't really, you know, I haven't put myself out there on that level much, nor have I ever had the kind of support I've had as an actor from like, say, managers and agents and all those mm -hmm. things. But so I've decided, like, you know, I've had little record deals and things have never gone anywhere. And I was like, no, uh, it's, I'm not going to wait for anybody else anymore. If somebody else do it, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to promote it the best I can. And I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to tell these stories. And there's a lot of stories <laughs> that I have experienced that, uh, that a lot of people don't know. And I think it'd just be mm -hmm. fun to kind of put, 
my little rock and roll journey out there because it, it, you know, I have I have a few interesting stories. So no, we definitely yeah, want, I would like to hear more when for sure. The EP is fantastic. I really enjoy it. Um, oh, thank you, man. Thank ben you. Ben Forgotten and Misty Afternoon Blues are probably my two favorites so far. Oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think Ben Forgotten is a is so a good. really one of my. I think it's one of the best songs I've I've written. I would love for somebody in maybe yeah. like R and B or something to cover it. I think that would be a, a be great cool. song to have somebody redo. That's yeah. sort of my fantasy with that one. And Misty Afternoon Blues is the first song I ever wrote, and it was the first song I ever recorded. Oh wow! Really. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good song too. But uh, Misty, I mean, I always thought Ben Forgotten somebody could cover that, like you know, like Babyface could produce it or something, and it would just be fantastic, you know. Or just get some kid to come up on like America's Got Talent and cover it. There you go. (laughs) And then everybody goes and finds it. Yeah, somebody who's got a soulful voice, you can sing it, man. I would love it. I would love it. I'm at that stage now where you know, before I used to was like, I got to do my own stuff. Now I'm like, I would love for people to think enough of a song to cover it. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think most artists like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you have any plans for any videos for these songs? Um, well, Journeyman has a video. Yeah, I've seen the just, Journeyman one. It's just it's just a it's just an easy I edited that on like iMovie. It was yeah. just a bunch of compilations of photographs and things I'd been in. It so, still came out pretty cool. I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it too. It was just a little retrospective of some of the stuff I've done more recently for yeah, the most yeah, yeah. part. Um, the other ones, no, I don't have any plans right now to do a video. It's a lot of work to do a video. Yeah, yeah. Unless you come up with a great idea, I just don't. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, regardless, we're excited to see whatever else you put out down the road for sure. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I plan to put out a bunch of different stuff this time. Like I said, finding the things I found. Next thing's going to be uh, a way more acoustic EP, okay. uh, very, very acoustic driven. But the other thing I'm going to put out is I think really going to be like, I'm going to be interested to see how people react. Is I wrote a bunch of stuff years ago that and this was some of the stuff that got lost on soundtrack you know that, that i uh, i on apple soundtrack it's like all these uh you know things you can you can throw together uh-huh. i had a ball doing that i do and i do like some like you know like 12 minute songs together and stuff like yeah. crazy long instrumental interesting layered things and um i think that's going to be interesting to put out because that's a whole you know from doing the rock and roll stuff to that is just a real a real departure but you know you never that's the other thing too i've learned is like you put yourself out there and it's it's hard for me to promote myself like i said as an actor i've always had others help push me you know i just had to do my work uh but if i'm gonna put this out there i gotta really put my i gotta really do my own pr but i always know if you do the footwork something shows up that's my experience do the footwork and something will show up and one of the things that showed up was doing this show mm-hmm and a couple other shows have also, a couple other opportunities like that have shown up as well. And um, a movie I, I did last year called uh, My Redneck Neighbors, a comedy. And I play, of course, the redneck neighbor. Yeah. Uh, the, the lady that put that together was so, like, like Journeyman so much, she wants to put it in the movie. Really? So that just showed up, like out of putting myself out there, right? Oh, that'd be like, so cool, yeah. Right, oh. so it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's always a lesson. Like you put yourself out. I, 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 you know, I, I do have that belief that if you do the footwork, you do the footwork, you know, you'll, when you'll make the connections. Well, it's not even, just like, not even like about connections. It's just something will come back, put I it see, out yeah. and something will come back. You yeah. know, when you feel like you're putting it out and like, Oh, is anybody going to care? Even going to notice, but you know, you go through all whatever mind games you go through. Eventually. Uh, yeah, I have to tell myself, nah, something, something's going to come from this. Just yeah. put it out there and see what shows up. 
And, and my main goal, the whole thing is just to put a conversation out there to say, Hey, I do this too, mm-hmm. you know, and here's the evidence, right? It's like, yeah. you know, if the stuff's decent enough, people will go, Oh, he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and I think it's a bit of a, um, what's the word? Uh, you know, obviously they're going to be like, Oh, let's see if this actor can do anything musically. And, and I think their expectations are going to be low because mm-hmm. the truth matters. Most actors don't do very good when they do do that. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. So, you know, when a famous actor does a band, she's like, eh. so I, that's good though. I figure the low expectation is good. So hopefully I exceed when they hear the tracks. Yeah. It exceeds their expectations because hopefully there's one thing I feel decent about. I, I think I sing okay, but I feel like I write pretty good songs. I feel like I'm a decent songwriter. They're very good. Yeah. Thank they you. That's are. what I hang my hat on is that I can write a song. No, it know? sounded so good. I was shocked because like I didn't know you even did music. So now that I'm, I'm finding this out, it kind of blew my mind that they were that good. Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. that's sort of what I'm saying here. So hopefully, yeah, um, that's what what will happen. And and if anybody finds out, oh yeah, I'm gonna put out probably 40 songs before this whole thing's done. Oh sweet, okay. And uh, if anybody finds one song worthy of putting on their Spotify soundtrack or whatever, right? Or in, you know, to yeah. me, that's like pretty neat, that really- right? That's pretty neat that they would, that I'd even make their playlist. You know what I mean? I'm talking personal people's personal playlists. They yeah. like it. I'm say, I'm going to save that. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be pretty neat for me. So. Yeah. One of so, the cool uh, like actor bands that I've checked out the last year in or last couple of years in West Hollywood was uh, what's his name? Dennis Quaid's band. Yeah. He's got a good band. They're yeah. freaking good. Yeah, no, Dennis has got a good band. He's had a band for a, he's had a band bands for a long time. But you know, long he was time, yeah. I forget what movie that was he did where he played guitar. Well, he, well, he did Great Balls of Fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he can't sing. But he did a movie once we played this really funny song to a kid, uh, acoustic guitar, and he was like really good in that. And I was like, Oh, this guy yeah. can this guy can, you know, he can sing a bit, you know. Yeah, no, he's really he's good got a good player. band. He's he's got that band, you know, he pays to play with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> which is some pros, you know. Oh yeah. Which absolutely. is which is nice. But yeah, I've seen I've seen his band a few times and they're they're good. It's a good time, yeah. 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 So uh going into uh the burbs. So yeah. so I know uh that was shot at uh Universal Backlot. So how right. many days of uh filming did you have to work there? I don't remember, but uh, it was it was like at least probably like six weeks or something. You know, big big film. They probably shot yeah. two and a half three months. Um, the thing that was really first off, that cul-de-sac is super famous. It's where they shot the monsters and oh yeah and uh, and uh, uh, what was that show? Wisteria Lane. Uh, the the what was that show? That was a big big TV show on ABC. Uh, <laughs> all girls. It was all it was like women driven. Uh, I can't think of it. Golden girls. girls? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that too. <laughs> it's a drama. A, a drama. A drama. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it was called Wisteria Lane. The whole place oh. was called Wisteria Lane. Oh, uh, Wisteria Lane. Ah, I, I can't think of it right now. But it was a big, <laughs> big, big TV show. They did that after the way after the verbs. But um, that cul-de-sac has been used in so many projects. And the other thing that was, was well, two things. One, we shot all nights. So that was weird to be in LA and shooting all nights because it's just like for like a month, you know, just you and you people are wake calling you and waking you up and stuff, you know, it's like, at least yeah. if you're on the road in a hotel, you're not going to get disturbed as much. You're trying to do your shit in the daytime and still work at night. It just, I felt like I never got that sleep back. That's how I always put it. And, uh, <laughs> and then the other thing was it was during a writer strike. So there was only two movies being shot on the entire lot, ours and Fletch two. Oh, wow. oh, so God. it was like a ghost town. Yeah. 
So it was a really interesting experience that way. The show you were talking about was Desperate Housewives. By Desperate the way. Housewives. Yeah. 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 Good so job. Cracked the code. <laughs> was first, so was that your first time you ever worked on the back lot there? That's or did you work question. there before? That's a good question. Probably. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. I think everything else before that had been on location. Yeah. Sweet. Yes. And I, I could tell probably the makeup work for the character of Hans took quite a bit. I'm sure it looked pretty dreadful to go through, but did they, did they give you the fake teeth or did they do like the painting on the teeth? And all no, that? it was fake teeth. All those, all those decisions were Joe Dante's. He's like, go make him some teeth. Go make that, <laughs> that haircut. Go Be, put him through I hell. I wanted to wear Lederhosen. <laughs> and every time I'd go do these things and come back and then he would laugh and say, you're never going to work again after this. That's what you <laughs> and, uh, and I'm blanking on the uh, makeup artist's name, but he's also got a resume a mile long. He, his apprenticeship was Eddie Munster. How about that? Oh, wow. And uh, he was great. And he he was crusty. He didn't let anybody get hit me out of the chair until I was ready. He'd, like, he'd just tell him, like, fuck off. I'm not done yet. And I learned more about makeup from him than any any other um, makeup artist I ever worked with. Michael and, Germain? Michael Germain? Uh, was it Michael Germain? Yes, yes. Germain. And... Um, the reason I learned more is because he did the opposite. Instead of making me look good, he made me look bad, right? So all his shading <clears throat> was to enhance all your worst parts, make yeah. your eyes look more beady. You know? yeah. <laughs> but so he would start with all that shading. See, and then he would, and then he would, he would layer on top of that. And then the, the last thing he did that was totally old school that uh, that nobody does anymore is he used he would take a pastel. And use sandpaper and so like the green and the green like veins and stuff that yeah. was all pastels that he would then paint on and, and gave it just translucent weird vibe you know Grunge. so i learned I, i've used for auditions and things i've used pastels to to do things on my face because they're good they're, it does not harmful and it works and it's know? still effective yeah i learned it all from him yeah, so when you uh you slid and you fell, that was you, of course. It wasn't a stunt double, right? No, that was a stunt double. It was. Oh. <laughs> I know, not necessary. When you're in a yeah. big movie, they they do things like that. I certainly could have. I've certainly taken way worse falls. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say. I wonder if that was Courtney Gaines or if that was a stunt double that did that slip and fall. Yeah, that's why was, my funnest my funnest thing of all of all this, just like doing westerns and some of these macho guys have to put on red wigs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that always makes me laugh. <laughs> do you ever just feel like oh i could have done a better job they should just let me do it no i thought his fall was great actually i like the way he like slid like one foot slid for a while then sort of threw himself up it was good yeah it was a good fall i, I, I don't i don't knock his fall at all Hell yeah. I, think but, no, all... I would i would much rather have a stuntman do things that i mean that was minor you never know anything could happen though yeah, yeah. but um twist something but you know on horses and things i'm all for the pros when it comes to like doing something really tough yeah, that's you know, tricky. I, I ride from mark to mark, you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, and it's no joke, uh, you know, riding a horse. Uh, I've seen a lot of people get hurt. And it's, it's, it, does, it just takes one second for a horse to, you know, uh, not want to cooperate and yeah. you not being, you know, like, like if a horse breaks on you, like goes to run, right? If you're, Your first instinct is to squeeze, which is the exact wrong thing to do. No. Because you're telling the horse to even go faster. Yeah. So if you're not experienced, you're going to do the, you're going to send the wrong messages. And that's yeah. always the process is learning, you know, what, you know, as a horse person limited, like I do, and then what communicates to that horse you're going to get on. And then I'm adamant, adamant, adamant about do not switch horses on me. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like next day I have a different horse and shit. It's like, no, man, like I've been working with this horse for a week. Now this horse yeah. knows me and I know this horse. Yeah. I'm not on that level. We got to buy switching horse. And I see that's when people get hurt. You know, yeah. big time. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially like I actually was a competitive jumper in my youth oh. actually. Oh. So, wow. so like, like switching horses, it definitely, you're, you're right about that. Cause I remember I had one horse who was very obedient with me. I, like we had that connection. Then I had to get switched to another horse who did not want to cooperate. And then he got spooked by something. And I was like, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad fall, but I kind of just fell off the side of the saddle. And, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of just like got away from him as fast as I could. Cause you don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. They, they well, stop, they step on you. That's. Oh that's yeah. Weird. Oh yeah. And different horses yeah. have different gates, Big right? Time. Like, like mm-hmm. the way they trot and this and that until you, you kind of get into a rhythm and you sort of learn how your horse rolls and so if you're like an amateur and you still mm-hmm. see another horse i've seen them just get thrown right off in a tank just fall right off the horse because they're not used to that horse's gait and it gets away from them and then guys always try to like hang in there and not fall they don't realize going even five miles an hour at six feet is a nasty fall into your face it is yeah you know they, they don't they don't so like literally i i if i feel like i'm gonna fall i grab the shoe man i don't care we can do another take yeah, right yeah. we can always do another take but fall it off a horse face first i've seen people like break their arm you know yeah. break their collarbone it's like i'm i'm trying to sur- i'm all what i'm doing a western it's all about surviving that's yeah. what it is the it's acne, not, it's the not acne worth, takes second place it's not worth the uh, medical bills in the end of the day <laughs> i just don't think people realize how bad a fall it's going to be because oh, you really yeah. do when it, you fall off a horse you can't get your legs around fast enough to land on your feet you know yeah. Even when I fell off, even when I fell off the side of the saddle, like I still like landed flat on my back and it just knocked the wind out of me because you just feel like that pressure pushes into your back kind of. So it's, yeah. On that movie, Texas Rising, (laughs) I did almost everybody had a major accident. It was amazing. Nobody got hurt on that. (laughs) Only one time with me did something bad. Well, a couple of times something bad happened with me, but one time was uh, I had to see, I was supposed to write up to this close up and like shoot and I like leaned out to do it like too far and like basically the horse just walked out from under me <laughs> oh no and everybody was like concerned i felt it wasn't a bad follow-up he just walked out but basically i mean i sent him the message go to the right <laughs> so he did you know so we did the next take i made sure i didn't i made sure i just stayed in my saddle and didn't go uh, uh but the, the worst one was uh and this was an example of not being not smart at all yeah uh they gave my horse my stunt guy, my horse, usually you have a stunt guy has his own horse and you have your own horse. So he can do whatever he does, you do whatever you do. But in this, they weren't doing that. So this guy had blown this horse out like 10 takes, like full boogie, right? And so by the time they gave him to me, and I'm riding now with all the stunt guys, this horse thought his job was to do this race everybody. No matter how far I was pulling back on the reins, he let off and he was like, so, you know, he gave me a Ferrari at that point. And that's a little <laughs> over my head. You know, yeah. I can ride all right, but that's a little over my head. I was hanging on. We did like three takes, four takes. I was hanging on for my life, man. I mean, just hanging on, you know, and then he, and he, when he'd stop, I'd almost go flying off. You know, I was like, I was just over my abilities at that point, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that was really dangerous. And I, you know, I did it, but I probably should have, I probably shouldn't have. No, you know, yeah. I probably shouldn't have. That was dangerous. Cause once you, you know, once a horse does three, four takes, it knows exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It, they're mm-hmm. very smart, especially mm-hmm. if they're a movie horse. They know mm-hmm. that's their job. I trot in this one. I walk in this one. But I, they'll go right. You hardly even have to. If there's a really good horse, you hardly even have to stop them on the mark. They'll go right to the mark. Mm-hmm. And then they gallop. <laughs> you know, but in this case, the mark was like, we're going to go as fast as we can, full boogie. Yeah. 
and you just <laughs> and, and I'm just like, no. And it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's I've like a bad out of hell. <laughs> it was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, going back with the the burbs. So, tell us about you know the late actors of the film, uh, Carrie Fisher, Richard Duchovny, uh, Henry Gibson, and Theodore Gottlieb. They must they seemed like they were such wonderful people to work with. Oh yeah, no, for sure. The, the 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 biggest challenge on that movie was because there was people like Carrie Fisher and Tom Hanks and Bruce Dern and people I all all had grown up in mm-hmm. and admired to to block that out when I was trying to do my gig, right? I'm like, oh my god, that's Bruce Dern. Oh my god, that's Tom. Everywhere I look, there's a somebody from my childhood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was that was the biggest challenge. Um, it was a really good set. I mean, it was a really really good set. And everybody was, you know, yeah, people were really interesting. Brother Theodore was a really interesting guy, you know, not the character he portrays, you know, uh, you know, he had this one man show he would do in New York in the summer where he'd play that really loud, politically crazy guy. That's the brother, it was called the Brother Theodore Review. I wish I'd got to see the show in New York, but that's what the, the character he would do on Letterman and that he then eventually brought onto our, our piece. He was not that guy at all. He was a very intellectual sophisticated guy he would uh play you know he liked playing chess you know he would like spot you a queen and then kick your butt <laughs> you know that's so that that was that was my experience I'd hang out with him play chess and get my ass whipped with that with you know <laughs> and he didn't even have a queen that was my experience with brother theodore very interesting very interesting guy and you know obviously henry gibson i mean my god goes all the way back to like laughing and stuff right i mean just and you know the blues brothers right i mean oh, you know, great stuff blues brothers you know one of my favorite movies. Yeah. yeah. So to, you know, he was, he was, he was great. And, uh, you know, I mean, Tom Hanks, I tells, you know, the most down to earth, a list actor you're ever, ever going to meet. Mm-hmm. He's just, he just is, you know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard he's very, very nice in person based on what yeah, he's told. just a very personable guy. He doesn't, doesn't, uh, you know, you know, he could throw power around, but he doesn't, you know, yeah. and that's <laughs> what separates him from a lot of other people. Yeah, you know he's not insecure. He he knows who he is. He knows what he can do. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Big time, yeah, big time. Most mm-hmm. most grounded, most grounded A-lister I've, I think I've ever been around. That's crazy. So, That's awesome. Uh, and Carrie Fisher's very strong personality. You know, uh, uh, she would she uh, Joe Dante was like wearing like the same like Felix the Cat tie every day, and his hair was all unkempt. That didn't go for her. You know, she went to the shopping, got his hair cut cleaned him up you know yeah <laughs> that's that's that i mean i don't know anybody i've never met anybody's ever done that to a director before but that just shows you how strong a personality she's she's just like come on you gotta go take you shopping mm-hmm. <laughs> and it worked you look good so <laughs> yeah, so with uh can't buy me love um tell us about the late amanda peterson i know she had retired from acting in like the mid 90s and all that but did you ever keep in contact with her over the years not a lot, not a lot. Um, you know, she was only 16 when she did that movie, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. And a lot of us, most of us were older. And yeah. uh, so she, you know, she was, I thought she was very mature for her age. And, and, uh, and, you know, she had a big, you know, big, big role on her shoulders, you know, and yeah. she, and she pulled it off. Uh, yeah. I just think, you know, from what I heard and what you can kind of see how she looked in the end, I think she just got, I think she was, she was dating rock stars and stuff when she was young and running around rock stars and partying. Yeah. And I think that got the better of her in the end. Oh, that's mm. unfortunate. It no. is. It is. But, yeah. But and that's no, LA, man. LA will, yeah. it's all there, you know, yeah. and it's real easy to lose sight of the prize. Yeah, you got to stay time. away from it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But uh, even in Can't Buy Me Love, uh, you got to be, I think you got to like play a character that was most different from what you were previously playing. You got to be like one of the friends of a, uh, um, what's the actor? I'm sorry. Ronald. Ronald. <laughs> Ronald yeah. <laughs> yeah. McSteamy. McDreamy. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's been so long since I need to go. That's a movie I meant to go back and watch recently, but I didn't have much time to. But like, I want the one time I did watch it, I was like, oh shit, it's Courtney Gaines. Yeah. He's in that. <laughs> well, so yeah, so uh, Gerardo always Mejia, the reaction. <laughs> Gerardo Mejia was also in that, right? So that was the second movie we did together. And then, like I said, The uh-huh. Colors was the third. Yeah. Um, the previous movie was for the same company, it was a little motorcycle dirt bike movie called Winners Take All. And, um, so they had already, you know, so they already knew my work from that. Mm-hmm. And I came and auditioned for the lead and then they offered me his best friend. And I, I thought that was a good, you know, I liked the, I, I liked the idea of the script and I thought it was a good role. And I thought it was something different. And that was my, you know, we talked about typecasting in, in the beginning, my real goal in the eighties was to not play the same character twice. And I think if you look at my body of work in the eighties, I think I accomplished that. You did. Uh, Absolutely. And like I said, end up having something that was successful in, 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 in every genre, you know, the teen teens, you know, teen, yeah, the, 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 you know, the, the, you know, everything from a gangster movie to a, you know, to a romantic comedy like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that really, that was, you know, that was good. I, you know, I think as, as a character actor to be able to show you have somewhat of a range, I think is a nice thing. And I, and I think that th- they having already worked with me had faith that I could, you know, do something different. Yeah, so they gave me the chance to do it. Yeah, it was even cool to see you play uh, a former Marine in uh, Behind Enemy Lines, too. Yeah, right. Yeah, you saw we shot that in the, the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that was a, that, that was a director I worked for uh, several times. A guy named Mark Griffith, who uh, uh, I did Hard Bodies with the movie Hard Bodies, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I used to uh, be in an acting class that he co-taught with the guy who cast. Uh, Hard Bodies, Gino Havens. And uh, he wrote the first project I was ever supposed to do that I didn't ended up not doing. And Eric Stoltz did because they got, I was underage and they got cold feet. I was, I, I was going to, I was going to tell everybody I was 18 and they got, they got, they got scared in the last minute and pulled out. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. yeah. So, <laughs> so when I finally did Memphis Bell with, uh, with Eric Stoltz, I got to tell him that story. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was written for me, pal, and you did it. What was it like being able to be uh, Danny Trejo's right-hand man in Dilemma? Uh, what it was like was I play tough guys and Danny is the real deal. That's what it was. <laughs> now, I Danny like is the nicest guy in the world, right? Oh, in, of course. In, in real life. I'm telling Super you, in real cool. life, he's the nicest guy in the world. But his yeah. history is not that. His history oh, before he became an actor, you know, he was a fulsome prison light, uh, uh, flyweight champion. Inmate number one. Yeah. You know, like he was a real tough guy and uh and you know you could tell (laughs) you know so i so what i felt like i felt like a punk that's what i felt like because usually it's just a bunch of actors acting tough but i knew this dude was was really tough yeah i could tell because again i grew up i grew up in the barrio and i could tell a a real guy from not just either your gangbanger you could be a gangbanger and still be you know not real tough you could just tell he didn't have to say nothing yeah it was just all there man it was just all (laughs) there my friend uh, Rick actually was one of the SWAT members in like the scene where they pursued you at the motel, and uh-huh. he was also the, he was also the prop master from the film. Uh, Rick Fox, he was in a band in the '80s 
you might have heard of called Steeler, which was Ingvay. Oh Malmsteins. yeah, no, Steeler was good. Ingvay Malmsteen's first band. Yeah, the bassist yeah. Rick. He's the one that did all the props oh, no, for kidding. that movie. He went. Yeah, on I saw Steeler movies. once. I was, remember I was just talking about that yesterday. How weird is that? I thought. <laughs> I think no, it was, it was yeah. So he, so Steeler was was with with, with Ingvay, and then the, when the lead Rock singer Hill. left. When the lead singer left, he created a band I think called Black and Blue, and I saw that band. I thought that guy was a very good singer. Oh, that's sick. Very, so that was like maybe one of the better bands I. Because I remember I was com- I was just commenting because I watched those breaking up the band things and stuff. And I was like, you know, I never saw one of these good bands in the '80s on the strip before they broke. I saw a bunch of crappy metal bands <laughs> that I don't remember. You know, like I can't say like, oh yeah, man, I saw Guns before they were huge. Or, you went to see Dokken. <laughs> I saw a lot Dockin. of bad <laughs> Not even Dawkins. I'm sure Dawkins would have been great. I mean, just it was just a lot of, you know, like everything else. You're going to see a lot of garbage before you find the, the diamonds in the rough, you know? Yeah. Tell him your uh, story about uh, Ingve Malmsteen, what he hates. <laughs> so Ingve Malmsteen, <laughs> I have a lot of Ingve stories because my friend was his guitar tech for 10 years. Actually. Oh my God. My, You've got all the guitar stories there then. Oh my God. Trust me. Stories you would not believe. Well, I'll tell you one funny one that, well, okay. actually I probably shouldn't say that one, but no, like there's one, <laughs> this one's actually, this one's actually, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if we ever get a chance to talk off camera again, cause like I've seen you at conventions before, but like, I'll tell you this other Ingbe story if I see you in person. No, again. we'll but do it t- like soon. We get out yeah. of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you this one that's notorious, actually. So in 1990, Pantera did these home videos. I've seen, the, I've seen that, Doc. Yes. That's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, the, the I mean, story. I, but he's just, <laughs> yeah, when, uh, uh, what's the lead singer for Pantera? Uh, Phil Anselmo. Phil Anselmo. Phil, yeah. yeah, when he like just razzes him and razzes him, and he's like <laughs> such a jerk off and doesn't know who Pantera is. It's hilarious. Yeah. Ingve was just like so arrogant. Then he saw Dime with the camera, and then he was like, "Get the fucking camera out of my fucking face!" I was. It just showed how you know his real personality. It was awesome, dude. It's just Ingve is one of those people. If it, it's he's one of those people, if the joke is like about somebody else, he'll find it hilarious. But if it's about him, he'll get pissed off. Right. That's, I, that's I, what I was trying to say, though, wasn't it? He hates donuts. Yeah, that's the story. They, well, no, he hates he doesn't like it. And now that the, ever since that video came out. With right. Pantera, right. Oh, I haven't even seen the video. It. That's probably oh, he, why he hates hearing about it every time. Oh, so I like, bet. Yeah. Like, uh, like every, anytime somebody mentions like. Hey, Ingve, do you want donuts? He will give you that blatant that look, like of course, because he can't be made fun, fun of. I understand. Um, yeah. I did a convention once with, with Phil, and uh, my my girlfriend wanted to meet him. My girlfriend went out. She yeah. practiced, she blushed. It was hilarious. Um, and, and, but he was he was he was uh, watch he was listening to or watching the uh, he's he's from near outside of Pittsburgh. He was watching the game, football game, and he he didn't see me yet because he's watching the game. And he was like, I was like. Yeah, their defense kind of sucks this year. And he's like, turns to me like, who the fuck are you? And then he thought it was me. And he was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> 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 Thank God he was a fan. He's like, I might have got knocked out, you know? Didn't we meet him at like a down show in Buffalo? No, yeah. like uh, we, we saw down and uh, oh, I think we him. wanted to meet him. But I, I had a flight at like, I had to be up at like two in the morning the next day. I was living in... I was living in Florida at the time, but I was visiting Buffalo where we both uh, grew up. Count and I grew up most of our life there. Yeah. And I was visiting and then I had to go back to South Florida for school, but we saw down and we wanted to at least try to get like a picture with Phil after the show. But I think uh, he didn't come out to like, for like until like long after we left. 
so yeah. we never got a chance to meet him. But he puts on phenomenal shows, though. Yeah, he was talking live. about that's what he's talking about how wrecked he is now from all the years of doing crazy shows. He's got like pins in his back and his yeah. knees are all trashed. And you know, you don't think about that stuff when you're watching these guys do crazy things on stage. But you know what they could get away with in their twenties, <laughs> in their forties, not so much. You know, yeah, it catches up with you. Eventually. It does, man. Or, yeah. or injuries. Yeah. So uh, you got to work with uh, my old buddy and colleague, uh, Caleb Thomas on Candy Corn. Yeah. Uh, did you did you uh, interact with Caleb at all? Well, I actually knew him before that. Uh, just oh, really? Well, wow. just coincidentally, really, I'd met him before. And then uh, um, a friend of mine, Kathleen Kemont, you know, actress. Oh, she's before. the best. She's we a sweetheart. She, uh, she had been out of the loop for acting for a while and she wanted to get back in. So she put a class together asked me to come teach for a while yeah. kind of get her get her chops going and, and he came a few times and he was like you know he was solid already you know i mean i had a few little suggestions but all in all he was you know he clearly knew what he was doing already um mm -hmm. so he didn't really need he so he didn't keep coming and he didn't need to keep coming and then uh for the movie he had to audition um he i didn't, I didn't even know he was gonna do an audition for it um, and his tape was great and he got the job. And that's what I told him. I said, when I, when I saw him, I said, you didn't get this because me, man. I said, you're, you earned that on your tape. You know, your audition was yeah. really good. And he, he's been working a ton. That guy's, that guy's, yeah. and, you know, he, looks, he looks so much younger than he is. And that's always, he does. A, it's scary. always a good advantage. That's good. I thought, yeah. I, I thought he was younger than me. I think he might be my age, maybe older, actually. It's scary. I thought he was like, well, cause we worked on a commercial together. October 2017, he was the principal and he worked alongside Sean McNabb from uh, Dockin and Lynch Mob, actually. Wow. And uh, and I just remember like uh, Caleb and I stayed in touch uh, after that. But no, dude, I'm so proud of that guy. He's really working his ass off and I can't wait to see what else that he's doing. Yeah, he's been keeping busy. He books a lot. He does. He does. Yeah. yeah. So even like all the names that you've gotten to work with over the years, you got to work with some really incredible names of yeah. all the actors you worked with. Who did you enjoy working with the most? Yeah. Same kind of crazy question. Like yeah. I'm not going to answer that, but I mean, yeah. like I said before, Duvall's <clears throat> I was about to say Duvall. always been, <laughs> Duvall. you know, on my high list as it was. And he, yeah. he lived up to the expectations and more, you know, and then to get to work with, you know, Sean Penn. I mean, I think Sean Penn's, you know, the best of my generation, you know what I mean? I think, uh -huh. you know, of the X Gen, I think you know. So to get to work with both those guys is, is pretty incredible. But I mean, yeah, when you think about it sometimes. I mean, I, I think about it sometimes. I'm just like, I mean, how many people I've worked with who've actually, you know, say won an Oscar or yeah, yeah, know, things like that, or won an <laughs> Emmy or whatever. I'm just like, it, it kind of, you know, always sort of blows my own mind that you know that list is pretty. I worked with some pretty, you know, or even say like a Dick Van Dyke. My God, I mean, yeah, Bang Bang or whatever, right? Or the Dick Van Dyke show. I mean, when you know first situation comedies. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Some of the people I've got to, you know, go in their orbit for a minute, you know, Time. I could picture you being good in like a Tarantino picture. That's what yeah. everybody says. And I agree. And yeah. I would love to be in a Tarantino picture. And yeah. uh, it just hasn't happened. I keep hoping one day, cause you know, he, you know, he's a, he watches B movies and you know, everything else, you know, oh, absolutely. One, one time my manager, we made it, he made it a point to get us to a party and I don't even do that stuff much, but like it was, cause <laughs> it was his party. It was like for uh, one of his movies getting nominated yeah. and we went and we didn't even, neither one of us knew him. So we didn't get an introduction, but at one point he had stopped and he kept looking at me and he's probably trying to figure out 
how the hell do I know that guy? Yeah. You know, um, I knew his uh, producer a bit, um, but that dude, even though he knew me, he's never thrown me a bone yeah. uh, to work with them. And that would be, I mean, I, you know, what's really remarkable about Tarantino, if you think about it, is how many movies has that guy made in his career? Nine. Ooh. Yeah, nine. Right. Nine. nine. And you can name all freaking nine, can't you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I've done, you know, a hundred and something and you can maybe name five. Yeah. <laughs> He's done nine and you can name all nine because when he makes a movie, you don't forget it. It's good. Yeah. You know, it's good. It's, it's like <laughs> real time. good, yeah. you know? Um, and that, you know, that's, uh, I, I think about that. Cause you know, he takes the time to come up with an idea and write that idea. And then he has to get the funding for that idea. And then he has to make that movie and it takes time, but he, he keeps making something of quality, you know, yeah, he, he perfects making... it. Yeah. But, it's, but it's not that easy. I mean, think it's about not. that. I mean, that's like writing nine hits, yeah. you know, in a row, Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a, yeah. it's, it's a remarkable feat. And uh, yeah. So I've heard that a lot and I would be happy if that came true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should love, definitely do that. I would love the chance to, to get to, to get to do one of those. I could see you being I could see you being in Cobra Kai too. I don't know why. Just like <laughs> I could see you making an appearance in that show. And I think that you would, should too. That would well, that would be great if it happened. Uh yeah. so amazing for Billy Zabka. You know, he yeah, you know, he, you know, he was sort of in that same 80s class as me, you know, that guy who did Big that time. tough guy in a movie that everybody knew and worked, but didn't quite break break, you know, and then for a while there he just wasn't doing much you know but i run into him he's always positive he's always hustling trying to find create something and then finally to have this turn come back around but this time it's like the role is wetter and juicier and he's like kill it it's amazing dude like the what a great opportunity you know what a great opportunity after years of just hanging tough you know now he's that's the thing you know it's like somebody could be good for 20 years and not get that great opportunity Mm-hmm. Now it really takes you, you got to be good and you have to get that right opportunity where that you can sink your teeth into it. He's taking it and he's a run, man. He has a Absolutely. run. Good Absolutely. for him. Yeah. So you've been uh, killed on screen quite a time, quite a few times uh, too. I, I so- always say you can make a five minute video of me. Lying. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do that. I would, oh, you should do it. I, I'll I, do I, it. I, I, please do it. Somebody needs to do it. I would I love to see it. it. I will endorse it. I will share it if you do it. Absolutely. I think that would be hilarious because it. I have died a lot, a lot of times. It's almost like, do I not die in this one? Oh, okay, good. But if, <laughs> I'm not dead, if I'm not dead, I'm arrested, right? So like, you know. Yeah. yeah. So of all of all those uh, kills on screen, what was your most favorite to film? See, I can actually answer that one. I don't, I don't have a, I have a favorite. So that's good. That's good. It's a, it's a, it's a little movie that went straight to video that, that uh, John Franklin's also in, who I, I get rid of in this movie. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's called uh, Killing Grounds. Mm-hmm. And it's got some really good people in it. The movie has one flaw that stands out, but it, it's a little, you know, a little straight to uh, DVD. I play, play a real badass in it. It's one of the better badasses I've done, in my opinion. Me and Anthony Michael Hall are the bad guys. And, uh, and, I ha- and I'm, in, I'm in the movie all the way to the end. And, uh, it ends with me. I'm choking out Priscilla Barnes. Oh. It's actually wonderful to work with, actually. She's and super nice, too. Yeah. She yeah, I had a great time working with her in that scene, particularly. And this officer, this little rookie officer, rolls up and says, you know, let go. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just a madman. I'm like, nah, 
you know? So I wait till I choke her out and I start coming at him. He's like, I'm going to shoot you. And I'm just like, you got the guts. So he, he shoots me. And so I get squibbed and he shoots me uh, in the leg first, then the shoulder. And then I take four in the chest. Right. And the thing that's really cool about it is it was a low budget movie, one take only. Like there was no way we were going to get another take. And so I, so from where I choke her out to where he starts, she shoots me the first time to then I come up and he shoots me the second time. I then take the four. It's, it's, I don't know, maybe 15 feet that I have to, that I back up. And then there's just this one, you know, very not super big pad for me to fall on. And cause you, cause otherwise the camera would catch it. So it was a very tricky camera move because the camera had to like, you know, hit me here, hit me here, hit me here, hit me here and stay in focus. So it was a really for the focus puller, it was also a very tough, tough gig. And it was a one Gotta get. I love when you have to get it in one and you pull it off. And so the stunt guy was very worried about, you know, me taking my fall at the end. And he's like, if your feet are on the mat, like you're going to hit your head in the end if you fall straight back. So, you know, okay, duly noted. So I, so I end up taking all the squibs all the way to that moment. And I'm kind of like laughing at the dude and blows. And I could feel my heels are on the thing. I could see him out of the corner of his eye fucking panicking. I'm going to fall back and crack my head. I can say I'm, I'm in the moment. I can still see this happening. Right. He's like shitting himself. And I don't blame him because it was, it was cement. Right. That was the you know, back on cement. It's not be pretty. So I just buckle my knees just enough before I fall. And, you know, did not crack my head open. And it's one of those times where like a whole crew fucking applauds and everything is just like, you know, <laughs> fucking great moment happened you know yeah you, yeah you, it's a one and done and you gotta hit it and uh so i would say out of all my death scenes that's my favorite death scene and i did awesome. i did forget i just realized we didn't talk so you about gotta look it up killer uh killing grounds killing, killing grounds it's gotta be yeah. gotta be in your reel now that you're gonna cut together i'm gonna cut yeah. it for you i promise <laughs> all uh, right i completely forgot to mention how great you were in halloween the rob zombie one <laughs> uh how was that working with him he's a creative genius uh, yeah, great working with Rob. Um, I had a friend who who's actually in my band, The Gathering, who now yeah. is a very successful AD. Yeah. And um, he told me he'd worked with Rob before, and he said, "Don't get married to the script. Yeah, like he's gonna it's do gonna what change. he wants. He's gonna he's gonna you know it could change. And yeah. that's exactly what happened. He didn't feel the scene was. Uh, he didn't like the. He just didn't. He just felt like it needed another scene, and it wasn't real enough yet. So he started. <laughs> so it ended up being a couple of days work. Yeah. Um, and as opposed to like a day's work. And uh, was, you know, I always tell people is with the, it's the only time I ever saw nobody be at the monitor except him. Like yeah. usually everybody crowds around the monitor yeah. watching the scene. That's what they do. And to the point where it's like annoying, right? Like, you know, I left yeah. this guy. Nobody was at the monitor. Wow. And all he kept saying was, this is disturbing. This is really disturbing. <laughs> and, and so I, you go well i guess that's good right this, it's that kind yeah. of movie um but it's the only time i've ever seen people like i don't want to fucking watch this they just all yeah. walk away. and the funniest thing is my son was in high school at the time and, so, oh. and at that time was the only oh, movie no. all his friends had seen oh my god so he was on a you know track team cross country team and they'd all be like oh you're like what's wrong with you man and they'd all be yeah. it's like i'm like oh, i got like a hundred movies and like you've only seen this fucking one thing you know they all they all think yeah. you know, i'm a nasty rapist my son was good about it he was cool but i'm like i'm sorry but that's all they know <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's all they knew all the girls would look at me sideways that's yeah yeah <laughs> my dad took me to that when i was 11 <laughs> nice. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that when I was, I was 14. Yeah. And saw it in the theater with my friend, uh, yep. his parents. 
and another friend of ours when I was 14. <laughs> didn't, it didn't, uh, the scene didn't make the, the uh, original. It didn't. It the did. was, it, it, was, I think it, it did make the original. It did make the, the theatrical cut from what I recall. I thought it didn't make the theatrical cut. I thought it made the director's cut. I thought they could. It, it, made the direct, it made the director's cut, but I do recall seeing it in the theater. Maybe they cut it for the, maybe wow. they, maybe they replayed, maybe they had it limited. I don't know what they did. Maybe wow. They, you saw that in the theater. It. You're the first person yeah. I've ever heard say that. That's interesting. Cause yeah, yeah they yeah. ended up putting uh you know, when we where he breaks out of the, you know, they're, they're trying to take him, transport him. Mostly. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So long ago. Hard to, hard to even tell. At this point. Well, I always say they, they did a, they did a, you know, they did a, a you know, now they do the, the uh, audience, you know, things about how they like the movie. Yeah. And they found out the girls didn't like the rape scene. So they thought it was a good idea to take out. I'm like, uh. But how the much guys money, love the rape scene. How much money did you pay to have to find out girls were not gonna like that rape scene? I could have I could have yeah. told you that for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we yeah. just got like this quick little speed round and then we'll close this thing out. All right, speed rounds are scary. Um, yeah. So we just we put a bunch of like bullshit questions together and we just ask you. <laughs> right. um, so what's your favorite horror movie of all time? Exorcist. Yes. All right, grape jelly or strawberry jelly? strawberry all right everybody says that everybody does say that everybody does say that favorite sport Ooh, basketball oh hell yeah me too east coast or west coast (laughs) oh man i gotta say west coast from from the west coast (laughs) fair enough (laughs) favorite band Ooh, gosh pink floyd and led zeppelin yes yes all right best children of the corn sequel (laughs) <laughs> i have to say john franklin's 666 because he wrote it and it's the only other one i've seen that's the only one i hear people talking about to be honest yeah he's good in it of course uh corn on the cob or creamed corn <laughs> <laughs> cob man <laughs> okay <laughs> had to put that in there <laughs> okay uh indoors or outdoors that's it? Indoors or outdoors? Yeah, do you uh, like being inside? So it sounds outside? like it implies like where would you rather have sex? Indoors or outdoors? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> outdoors. <laughs> CGI or practical effects? Practical. Oh okay. yeah. Favorite comedian. Ooh. Oh, um, uh, probably Chappelle, man. Yes. Okay, Absolutely. I gotta say something Chappelle about him. Chappelle's show is like unbelievable, dude. I I tried to see. I just drove to New York to do a film. Literally, I'm in a hotel right now. Um, nice. I I passed through Texas, and literally the day I was supposed to leave, I realized Chappelle was playing the next night because they had just announced it, and this was like not even two weeks ago. Um, I went to try to get tickets to see him and Joe Rogan, and you're not gonna believe how much they wanted for a ticket, and they they oh, actually. Yeah. They they made you buy two tickets, yeah. What? It was like it was like eight hundred fifty bucks. Oh my oh, god! You couldn't even buy like one ticket. You had to buy two, and it, they were four hundred dollars each. That's, that's sad, that, you know. That's, 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 like, that is the, the dude's like you know ridiculously rich at this point. So like, what's he it's need stupid. with four hundred dollars tickets? Yeah. So I was yeah. bummed. I would have yeah, loved it. Is, yeah, just the, the common the common man can't come see the show. It's just like yeah. that cool. And Rogan yeah. is usually when he was in in Hollywood or whatever, he was twenty bucks. Rogan don't need the money either. He just he just exactly. sold his podcast for hundred million dollars, literally a hundred million dollars. Come on, man. Yeah, and that's hey, why like, he left LA. <laughs> that's why he left LA because it would have been they would have taken twenty million from him from taxes. Oh yeah, of course he moved to Texas. Wow, who wouldn't move to Texas at yeah. that point? You're gonna go. 
Where do I not pay state tax? I will live there. Yeah, that's why. That's why <laughs> Even though he'll probably have a house in LA too or whatever. Yeah. That's why. But yeah, of course he went to Texas. That's why everybody's Ooh. going to Texas or Utah or like Idaho and all these places. Yeah, yeah. but if you came out, you know, all of a sudden a hundred million fell in your lap, you sure as hell are gonna figure out yeah. how not to give away twenty million of it, right? Yeah, <laughs> big time. I mean, right, of course. And then, and then, what was your favorite food? Was like, I, I, what is? is your favorite? Yeah, what is your favorite food? <laughs> oh, um, I like really good chili rellenos. Okay. Chili, and and, that. and that's the one thing I miss in you know living in this in the southeast. You know, the only thing I miss in LA are the mountains and good Mexican food. Man, they don't know how to make Mexican food out here. They yeah. think they do. They don't have a clue, brother. Yeah. When we go to LA, all I do is pay out every day on Mexican every single day. <laughs> Literally, if I can, every day. Did you have a favorite spot in there to eat in LA? Oh, for uh, for Mexican food. For Mexican, yeah. Oh, well, some of them are gone. Uh, one yeah. of the, uh, uh, what's that? And yeah, with the, the freaking pandemic, they're all gone. They're all, yeah, they're all gone. You know, it was a really good little, like, I'm going to say semi-dive is a place called Trays on Ventura, like Ventura and oh. Tahanga. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know, really I know exactly where that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, used to go, I used to go there like every week. Trays. Really okay. good. I'm going to check it out. So what are you most proud of? In my life? My yeah. whole life, your whole, whole life, freaking whole life. life. What are you most proud of? Being a father. All right. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> good question. Good answer. And 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 maybe the most most shame too, because I mean, you 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 the things that you know, anything you ever did that you said that you wish you hadn't to your own son, you know, yeah, you have to live with that shit for the rest of your life, you know. Yeah. So I mean, if you're trying to do a good job, you're gonna you're not. There's no way you're not gonna screw up, you know. Mm-hmm. uh throughout your life you know with somebody like you know 20 some odd years of their life you're gonna screw up mm-hmm. but uh but i guess the reason i guess i would say i'm the most proud is because it's probably the most selfless thing i've ever had to do in my life yeah because you know until they're like 25 they don't really give a shit about how you feel about anything mm-hmm. you know one day they say hey how are you and you're like who inhabited your body you know yeah <laughs> so do you have anything you'd like to promote, like any upcoming projects or uh, convention appearances? Uh, conventions are just starting to kick back in. I think I'm yeah. doing something. Uh, am I doing something in Texas in June? Is it Texas? Texas? I think so. I can't remember. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where it is. Um, okay. Um, yeah, just this last few things I've worked on. I did a meaning you guys i know you guys are horror guys uh i just did a movie called the the bleeding dark okay. the last film i shot and what's interesting about it is it's 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 a drama horror film like the, everything that's not the horror which is which is definitely old school style uh yeah, is it's you know like by, in relation with me and my son and we lost you know the mother got killed and he blames me and it's like everything i'm in is like heavy you know it's oh, just wow. like straight straight drama hark you know emotional big time like big yeah. time breakdowns the whole nine yards right wow. but the rest like the kills are like straight 80s horror you know yeah. and so i'm really curious how that film's going to come together with with those two things you know mm-hmm. you know a lot of times you know characters are not that developed in a, in a horror film mm-hmm. right big time so so i'm curious if these two elements are going to come together nicely or not so mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I did a, I did a movie uh, uh, called River. That's a, it's 
sci-fi in nature, but it's really just like four or five people are in the whole movie. And it's yeah. not like, it's like, there's not a lot of real effects or anything. So mm-hmm. I don't want to give away the story, but that is, um, that's got a bit of a buzz going and they've already got distribution and, you know, for independent films, that's hard to get that quickly. And uh, so it's coming out this summer. So river. And I awesome. play a, I play a nice character in that. I play a, a nice character, small, small <laughs> town. So to all takes place, a small town. I play this guy who owns a antique store. He's, was very good friends with the mother of the the leading girl but he's also the local psychologist in town too so mm-hmm. guy, and i got a i got like i got the covid beard like this long <laughs> yeah and, and, it's, and it's just it's just i don't get to play characters <laughs> like that i don't get to play uh someone so warm yeah you know and so i'm really i i, I love the character in that it's a different it's something people probably haven't seen me do Oh, that's very oh, cool. I definitely want to see that. Awesome. Sure. Well, we got some sweet stuff to look forward to then. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see you at a convention back out here in the LA area when you're in the neck of the woods again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I think there's some talk about me doing a doing oh. maybe doing a movie in uh, June in LA. Oh, so, awesome. Uh, um, and, that, and that's for the same producer who did uh, the Bleeding Dark. So, so cool. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for a script. And uh, but I, that's the word June or July. So yeah, man. If, some back in town, I'll let you know and we'll go to trays and get some chili anal songs. Hell yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> totally. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Thank you guys. Check out um, Journeyman right now on Spotify and is it on YouTube? Uh, yes. The full thing. Okay, perfect. Awesome. Yep. Take care, right. Courtney. Thank Thanks, you. Guys. See you, brother. Have See a good you. one. Show us all your blissful pain.